0: Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Eden Brook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Eden Brook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show this week. This is the final episode of season three for You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry. Thank you guys so much for an amazing season. Thank you for joining me all this way, for following me since season one for most of you guys, and for if you're just joining now in season three, please go back and check out season one and two. There are many, many episodes full of amazing information and amazing guests I would love for you to check out. But as we wrap up season three today, I'm excited to finish this season with my friend, Tom Golly, who's a Christian music artist. He's a successful independent artist who has had a lot of success touring and working the festival circuit on his own initiative. We're discussing how to reach out to churches and music festivals as an indie artist when booking tours, and how to have the best chance to make it on the main stage of festivals, plus the importance of hiring band members who will become like family to you and not just employees, which is such an important thing that we do because we live our lives with these people on the road. So we want to make sure that we are getting people involved in our career and in our ministries if that's what you're doing in ministry. It doesn't matter if it's in Christian music or mainstream music or whatever, but anytime that you put people on the road with you, you want to make sure that you've got people that connect with you and become like family to you, because you're going to live life with them more off the stage than even on the stage. So I hope that this conversation will be encouraging to you, and I'm excited for you to hear my conversation right now with Tom Golly. Please enjoy hey guys i am spending time with my friend tom golly how's it going buddy
1: what's up marty i mean it's good to see you Ah, it's good to see you man i go ahead i gotta say thank you first off let me cut everyone off cut the show off (laughs) all right and say thank you okay um because of you i got to be on um life fest music city yes uh and it was absolutely an honor to be asked and uh for you to put me on it um it was a great experience for uh, for me. It gave me a chance to actually try out some new guys that happen to live local. Okay. And, uh, man, just thank you for what you do for people, uh, especially no names like me. Uh,
0: well, I wouldn't say <laughs> no just, names.
1: just begging for an opportunity. Yeah, so.
0: well, you're welcome. I'm glad that it worked out to have you come and be a part of it. I didn't even get a chance to really go out and see a lot of the other stages and performers and stuff so Mm -hmm. I mean there's a lot of people that I booked on different stages that I never even got to to watch perform so I'm glad that you got to be there uh first of all I'm glad that it went well for you and um I was excited that it got to happen and we are we are planning on uh this next year's already in in progress and so it's going to be amazing um I'm excited for who they've already got scheduled on the main stage and so it's gonna be fun
1: yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the, it festivals can be hit or miss with uh, with crowds and things like that. I think for for the a lot of the bands that were part of it, a good amount of them, the, this was home. Yes. So to get a home to do a hometown show and see, like, um, like we were hanging out uh, back backstage on the main stage for a little while with uh, a couple of the guys from Sidewalk mm-hmm. and um, Sidewalk Profits. Everyone in town calls them sidewalk, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, see them all like there with, uh, you know, their kids are there and then everyone left in separate cars is just not what they're used to. Right. Exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> well, and what's really cool is that this life fest music city is the first major Christian music festival in Tennessee ever. In this past year, oh, wow. Like, yeah, and that's the, everybody's like, "Wait, is that
1: is that right? Are you serious?" Yeah, because everyone, I think everyone talks about, you know, how uh, you have you have CMA Fest that goes on here, and then they had they used, have, they used to have GMA, yeah, week, GMA week, and I think people imagine that to be like these big. I think the people that don't know what that is, myself included at one point, I always thought GMA Week was this huge thing. It was. And it was, but it wasn't like a festival or it wasn't like, like a like a Bonnaroo Festival of Christian, gospel no, music. It wasn't no, that at it, all. It
0: was leading up. I mean, it was the, the week of gospel music association week, is GMA Week. And that was all these conferences and all the artists coming in town and all the big wigs mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff and all the fans coming together and doing little shows here and there and that kind of thing. That would lead up to the dove awards was the big that was the big ending and it was always back in in the in april in the spring yeah. for decades. that's what it was and then a few years ago i mean the the music industry itself has changed the christian music industry definitely has changed and things are just are not what they used to be for anybody yeah um and somewhere in that process um it got moved into into the fall into october and so and I'm in Christian music. I mean, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. Um, and every year the Dove Awards are like, oh, Friday night, Dove Awards come in. I'm like, wait, it's it's going to be this week. Like, I don't even know when things are happening anymore because it's just not for better or for worse for whatever reason. And I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, it just doesn't. It's just not as big of a deal as it used to be. As far as the whole GMA week, this big lead up to. The Doves, yeah. Um, which for people who are not familiar with the Dove Awards, it's like the Christian music version of the Grammy Awards, that kind yeah. of thing. So, um, which it is, I mean, it is we, what it is, and
1: we can dive pretty deep into the questions of why, what, like, why isn't there a GMA Fest anymore? Why isn't there, you know, why isn't it bigger than it ever was? And it, rather than just sort of being non-existent, there's a lot of things that have sort of fallen away. Even, um you know, like one of my complaints with the just the 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 Christian music industry is the fact that it feels like there's no, there's really no genuine support for like indies or even, you know, young people who want to, want to do this. Like there's very little resource for them, and the resources keep going away. Uh, like immerse. Immerse was the biggest thing. Like if, if it was a church worship leader and the church, you know, and maybe that church felt like, Hey, we believe in this person. It was something great to send them to where they get to um, learn directly during these panels from some of the biggest names in the game. Um, And then also meet many up and comers Mm -hmm. just like them and make new friends and relationships. And it's gone.
0: Yeah, when I first moved to Nashville, I feel like we're on your podcast and not mine yet, but we're because <laughs> you and I both do podcasts, and yeah. it's, which is cool because I'm going to be on yours, while, and then you're on mine. So I love that this this back and forth. So it's a little different dynamic, yeah. Than when I have on a, a guest normally, um, but when I first moved to Nashville in 2000, um, I moved here with basically with an internship in place. I had to come and do that official quote unquote interview, uh-huh. um, but they knew that I was coming. And uh, I came in. It was an indie label called Embassy Music. Dar- yeah. Darwin Moody was the owner, and um, and I came in and they they gave me an internship with that little label, and um, and that's what we did. We did little, we did conferences, and people would come in from around the country, and mm-hmm. people who wanted to be artists and songwriters and different things. And then we'd have these panels of people who were in the industry that would come, and they would teach and interact, and you get to know people, and that's so that very same thing that like like immersed like you're talking about. And, um, and it was fantastic. And the people that I met working at embassy that, that were coworkers with me and even attendees at some of the conferences have become my closest friends that are still my closest friends, 20 plus years later, you know? Yeah. And so that's a huge thing. And it, and it is gone for the most part that doesn't really exist any longer. And, you know, we can, we can try to give, you know, theories of why that is. And, um,
1: or we could just create podcasts and like help everybody <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so anyway let's um let's do this yeah let's back up for a moment because we want to know about tom golly who is tom yeah. golly where is he from uh what got you into music why are you in music why are you in christian music what is it that makes you tick um i know you do a lot of festivals as an indie artist you do a lot of big festivals you do main stage with you know th- uh Third day, not third day any longer, but Mac Powell and, yeah. you know, and those guys and Sidewalk Profits and whatever, and you get to do some of those types of events, and you've landed on the main stage, which is really kind of unheard of, for the most yeah. part, for an independent artist to be where usually big label artists are, mm. so though, um, for those, for the, where those artists are. So let's back up and yeah. just kind of walk us through the, the progression of who Tom Golly is.
1: Man, well... No pressure. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, (laughs) you know, I can give the the longest, longest version of the story. I can give the shortest version. But I'll try to find that middle ground. Because And who am I? I'm a complicated person. Okay. Um, And uh, maybe complicated is not the word. But people think I'm complicated. Then they come on my podcast, spend two hours with me. They go, man, you know, you're different than I thought you were. (laughs) Um, But, okay, so ultimately, man, for me, if – let's say, let me go back to two, maybe the beginning of 2009. And at that point in my life, um, man, if you would have told me I'd be uh, a Christian, let alone a singer, mm-hmm. I might have fought you or roasted you or, you know, had some choice words that, uh, you know, I can't really say on this podcast. Uh, that was just kind of who I was at the time, you know, and then Essentially, uh, you know, God got a hold of me, and um, I just sort of developed very early on um, in my Christian walk this sort of, uh, as Jason Gray put it when he was a guest on my podcast, a yes and mentality, mm-hmm. where it was like when something felt like I'm supposed to do this, I was just sort of like, um, I just didn't ask questions, I just went with it. And um, it's kind of funny because... Um, it started with um, seeing, um, getting invited to this Christian coffee house called Samantha's Little Bit of Heaven on Long Island, New York, and um, seeing some people go up and sing, and some were amazing, and others were awful. Uh and then they were big on like um they really were wanting comedians and people to come up and, and, and I mean you could do whatever you want. Come up and talk on the mic, read a book, you could read poetry, you could do whatever you want. And something in me was like, yo, I should tell jokes. This would be funny. You know, and and it was more of because I've always had people tell me over the course of my life that like, man, when you walk in a room, something changes like you grab attention, man. Like you you should be doing something, you know, that you should be doing something with that gift, you know, and I never saw it as a gift. I always saw it as a curse because I just didn't want to just get attention. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard when you're a six foot guy built like an NFL linebacker or at least when I was younger, I was now more like a lineman, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to, um, I just never wanted the attention. So, um, when I kind of felt like, Hey, this is something I should do. I signed up for the, uh, the open mic, uh, told, uh, (laughs) and, uh, you know, I, I never had done anything like that before. I mean, I've stood around a bunch of people and told a story you know, and had, would have people laughing. So I'm like, well, maybe I can tell some true stories. Maybe I can make up a few funny stories. And so I had to write all this down in a notebook and I show up for this. Op- I signed up for it. I show up for it and they're like, Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, so what's your comedy name? And at the time I went by Tommy G. Cause I just, you know, you had like Louis CK Right. Yeah. people with the, so I'm like, well, this will work. Um, so they had me go in the back with, like, the resident um, comedian, and I had to sit in the back room with her. She goes, all right, tell me your jokes. Could you imagine sitting, oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, sitting in, like, a six-by-six six ro- tiny room with someone just deadpan staring at you while you're, like, you know, <laughs> telling this joke that you've never really told anybody. You're not even sure if it's going to work. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And then you tell another one, they go, yeah for this crowd you can't you know you can't make fun of yourself you can't make fun of yourself with a crowd like this they're, Really? cuz they're going to well and it's true i mean the christian crowd is going to kind of have oh, I see a oh yes yeah oh and it's like no no it's fine it's funny but you know and that's not what you want you want the you know for instance like if a if a heavyset comedian walks in and he's just like makes a bunch of jokes about like you know um like having trouble like fitting on an airplane and you know that's part of his bit in a secular comedy people laugh but in Christian comedy, they're going to empathize with right, you, which I is understand. fine. There's not That's great that they do that. Sure. So you got to know what jokes to tell. So, yeah. man, I went out and I crushed it, man. I mean, it was like, for me, never doing this before. And were you a Christian at this point? Were you a I believer? I was. I was very new. Okay. Very
0: new. A new believer.
1: But okay. a new believer that, uh, man, I think God was speaking so loud, I just couldn't ignore him, mm. you know? And uh, I mean, I was probably about less than a year into my Christian walk at this time, you know? And... So I'm standing on this stage, man, and like that. Just I just brought the house down with just some of these jokes. I mean, one of them I didn't even write. I just, like I just came up with it in a moment and told it. And um, I, I don't even remember what I did, but I remember doing an air elbow drop on the stage to like nothing because it was <laughs> funny I and mean, it was it, it was really great. And, man, before you know it, she's asking me to MC events and, you know, hey, we want you to come do a comedy bit. This is great. And I was very good on the fly, too. Like, something, something could happen and I'd have something funny this day and I'm still that way. But, um, man, every time I did it from that first time on, something felt wrong and I can't put my finger on it. I mean, I, I think I know what it was now. But it just felt like this is right. I'm in front of people. I'm connecting with them. This is right. But I just felt like I, m- I missed it. What did, what did I do wrong, you mm-hmm. know? And it was a- only a couple of months into doing this. Um, I mean, I had, like, the, the, some of the pro guys who would come in who were killing it at comedy clubs all over the town were coming in. And we'd get into conversations. And I would even give them a suggestion on a joke. And they're like, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Wow, dude, we should write together. And it was like... Maybe I'm supposed to do comedy. This is fun. Because I was a UPS driver at the time, man. Like, I hated my life. I was like, all I'm doing is delivering packages, punching a clock, you know. And my life was chaos just around. And it came to a head. And then Jesus stepped in and Mm. was like, whoa, I'm free from all that now. And I was just chasing him, you know. And uh, it was just crazy because now, now the last time I ever did a comedy set, and it's to you know i've had people go man you know you know you could do both and i'm just like well no god cl- i he spoke to me super loudly in in the mo- i mean i don't think god ever just comes to us and goes uh, you know son i uh, want you to do this it's not how it goes it's just like you clearly know the what the pull of the holy spirit feels like yeah and this was that hands down okay um so the last time i did a comedy bit uh, i had finished up uh, I just finished up this set, and man, everyone's laughing, right? It's great. I brought the house down, but it was weird because what my eyes were seeing was a bunch of deadpan stares. It was the craziest thing. I I heard the laughter, Mm -hmm. and for a quick second, I just saw like, I mean, and I wish we were on camera because I can kind of show you, but everyone was like just Mm -hmm. Just almost just like what the heck are you doing? Now, you know, some might argue, "Oh man, that was just you know that that's just uh, uh, fear. That's the enemy." But what they don't know is what happened as the very beginning of that set is I, everyone knew as as a new believer. I discovered Christian music, and I'm like, this music is powerful, and it was incredible, and it it was it was huge for me because I'd go to a church, hear these sermons, not fully grasp a lot of it, but you try and yet you know my my girlfriend at the time who's now my wife gave me this cd and i was it was a lot of mercy me it was some jeremy camp stuff things like that but mercy me back in 09 like their early stuff was very much like what i had listened to secular that back then it was mm-hmm. very you know alternative rock kind of vibe and i i dug it and you know that that guy bart's voice sounds cool and i liked it and um so they knew I was this Mercy Me super fan, and I was super excited that we were going to get to see them live in a couple months. So the sound guy pops on one of their songs. It's, one of my, and it's actually one of my favorite early songs to them. It's, um, uh, I, it's called Time Time Has Come. And it's just got this cool rock intro. So he played that for me as, I'm, as they introduced me, and I'm walking out to the stage. Okay. And, man, something in me was just like grab the microphone and sing it like sing along do it you know mm-hmm. it ain't something i had ever done and was it was about to do you know what i mean you've clo- never done it before heck no <laughs> the, the closest to singing i had ever done was i i had done at that point i had done a joke um where i uh I don't I remember what the joke was, but I did a joke that just sort of culminated in like singing like, oh, man, like that's the closest to singing I had ever done in front of people. And that wasn't even that serious. It was meant to be funny. Uh, so it's just like, I was like, no, no, no way am I, would I ever do that? What if that's that was a crazy thought, but it was more than a thought, man. Like I literally felt like my, my heart was going to leap out of my chest and grab the microphone for me. It was not just a weird moment. And then like I said I did that set and then it just felt like I I messed up. What did I do wrong? And I I was I was just driving home and I don't know why but I was literally weeping like I don't think I'm supposed to do this comedy thing. Am I I'm literally like but it feels right to be on stage, but I feel like I'm what's coming out of my mouth isn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. And um before you know it, um, I'm like literally, that was a Friday night. Sunday, we're in church, and there was this huge altar call, which that church rarely would do them. Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle, the, their version of altar calls are usually, and in this case, actually, I think it was a stay where you are, <laughs> but I want everyone right now praying for this thing. What's mm-hmm. your confusion? What's your, um, you know, what's that thing that you need God to talk to you about right now? And I'm just kind of like, does he want me to sing? I don't know what he wants. So I was like, well, that was my prayer. Like, okay, God, if you don't want me to do this comedy thing, and I really hope you do because it's fun and I'm good at it, uh, you know, just show me, show me what you want and I'll do it. Because at that point, man, like, you know, again, it's a very, God had given me things that I never thought I'd have back at that period of my life. Things that I thought were long gone. Um, you know, and, and remove me from situations. I thought I was stuck in and, you know, what I'm saying I owed God and I still owe God everything. So at that point, it's like, if, if I really felt like God wanted me to stop a train, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to stop a train. You know what I mean? Like that, that was how much I was serious about it. So I'm leaving that church and I run into one of the pastors who I had talked a couple times about doing comedy. I've invited him to my shows and um, we had, he was there for one of the events that I had emceed. And he's like, Hey Tom, how's the His name is pastor Scott Fowler, uh, amazing man of God. Um, incredible musician too. But, uh, he had just like, how's the comedy going? And I just right there, I go, you got a couple of minutes. I really need to talk about this. And he's like, well, sure. I got a couple. Sure. So I just told him the fastest version of like, man, I'm really just feeling this, this happened the other night. And I'm really wondering if like, God is calling me to sing. And I just, I wouldn't even, know what I'm, how am I supposed to do that? I just don't know. And then sure enough, what happens? Uh He turns around and goes, well, if you feel like God's calling you to sing, my wife teaches vo- voice lessons. It's like $20 a lesson. You'd come like once a week and, you know, she'll let you know if you could sing or not, you know? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I as I'm driving home, I'm going, oh no, God, uh, I asked God to Show me what he wants, and he hands me a voice teacher. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I now I, I honestly tried to fight it. I mulled it over, and, you know, we get invited to go see this guy Maurice that I know, Maurice Matabon. He was the lead singer of a band on Long Island called Rust Iron Green, and he's become one of my closest friends. We loved hearing him sing, and he invited everyone, hey, I'm singing tonight at the Lizard Lounge. Come see me. So we go, and it turns out it's a karaoke bar. I had no knowledge that this was a karaoke bar prior to going there. We just thought it was a restaurant place. He was just going to be singing songs. No, karaoke bar. So him, my wife, a couple other people there are like, come on, man, sing a song for us. Come on. You know, and I'm like, no, I, no, no, no. You know, and then, uh, you know, it's, and then you, the no becomes maybe, you know, and then it's like, fine, fine, I'll do it. Well, man, I went up sang a song or two, not great. But my friend Maurice, he had said to me, man, you should practice this because I think you'd be great. And I was just like, for him to say that to me, who's hypercritical of everything and everyone musically, that that meant something. Yeah. You know, and I just kind of pursued it. And it was tough in the beginning. People who had come to expect and want jokes. Like, people thought the first time I went up to sing a song, Marty, they thought. It was a joke. She's like, "Well, Tom's gonna sing a song for us." Everyone starts laughing already. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. what's, All right. what's he gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just okay, kick on the track and start singing. Uh, I stand amazed. Um, the 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 Bart Millard version of you know of that. Mm-hmm. And people were weird about their applause because they're like, "Where? Where? Where for the punchline? Where is it?" You know. And for a long time, it was it was tough to go. Like, I'm doing what God's calling me to do. And people are going, you should do the comedy. Yeah. Even the owner of that place sort of had like a, at one point, like, as I was doing this for like a year, I was getting part of, being part of events and getting to sing. My wife was like my my backup, like, co-lead singer. Sometimes we do Casting Crown songs, you know, where there's a female lead. Yeah. And it was this fun thing we started to do well with and- but this place that it all started and she didn't want me anymore. And it was like, why? And she was like, well, I felt like a light went out when, you know, when you stopped doing it. And she was, she was kind of a little discouraging. Um, I mean, we've, we've talked about this ever, ever since. And, you know, she, we both have just kind of come to a place of like, man, that was a crazy time, wasn't it? You know? But for me, man, it was, it's just been a journey of following God and man, how I went from that in 2009 to 2018, 19, 20, sharing the stage with people that I've paid a lot of money to go see right. at concerts has blown my mind. So
0: w- let me ask you this. When did you decide that you're going to pursue music as for a living and, then, and make the move to Nashville?
1: Ooh, that's good. Uh, so that was in 2014, um, and I have my wife to thank for this. Is, um, you know, we, we, we were we've been dating for years and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, we've been dating a while. Why aren't we married yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was just one of those things where it's like, well, my wife was very clear, like, well, I don't I don't think you're willing to leave Long Island and I don't want to live here the rest of my life. So she's like, you know, I I would need some assurance from you that we're going to that we're going to leave here. You know, and and at that time, I'll be very frank, I had no interest in leaving. I always just was like, hey, I'm this Long Island boy. You know, I fish, I, I, I go crabbing. I, you know, and, and at that point I was a little bit of a big, I was becoming a pretty big fish in that town. Like there wasn't somebody involved in Christian music on Long Island who didn't know who I was you know and i was enjoying that it was just you know and not that i was better than everybody i was i was doing i was facilitating things i was contacting churches saying hey we want to have an event cool i'll bring the pa <laughs> you guys get us some volunteers i'll book the bands we just need the space and i was creating events and opportunities and uh, sometimes I was finding out a friend of mine's band or a band I liked was playing at a church that I knew the sound system was awful. And I'm like, hey, guys, can I do sound for you? Just because I wanted that network. I wanted to show people, hey, look at the quality that I can help bring to this as a sound person. Yeah. I just wanted to build an industry on Long Island as there really wasn't. And I was doing that. And here I am with this woman who's asking me to give this up. And I'm like, no, I don't think I... I, I and honestly, I, for her, I, I would have given up everything. So um, we, we, you know, and the big question for me in that conversation was like, "Well, where the heck are we gonna move to?" You know, and she threw a few places out, and I'm like, "Why would I ever want to live there?" We'll, we'll start thinking about places to go visit at the very least, you know. So now Nashville had not been on either of our radars, period, you know, and. I had gotten a chance to be a runner at a couple of different uh, events. So I I met the Sidewalk Prophets at an event uh, I was the runner at. And I had basically the whole band in my SUV driving them to and from the hotel and a couple other groups as well. Um, I don't recall a couple of them, but almost every time I got a chance to talk to or meet a band of in the Christian music industry, every one of them would tell me a story of you know how it all took. Started now. Granted, it is a very truncated story because you only get so much time in a van, and you don't really want. To... They don't. They don't feel like you're that interested in the story. They don't want. To, they want to shorten it. Anyway, it always included. uh We moved to Nashville, and then we moved to Nashville, and then, mm. and it was always like, well, what, what was in Nashville? And they would just kind of tell me, well, the songwriters, you're you're gonna find producers there, musicians. Um I mean, it's it's the place to go, and especially the sidewalk prophets. It was basically just. um I believe it was just Ben and Dave initially. Yep. And then it was like, hey, well, we moved to Nashville. They even put an ad in the... I remember they tell me the story. They put an ad on Craigslist, uh, you know, do you do you, uh, you want to be broke and worship Jesus? You know, <laughs> come play with us. Yeah. And it's like countless stories like that. So I just mentioned Nashville to her of like, man, everyone's telling me they moved to Nashville and that's how things kicked off Or Maybe that's where we need to move. And I just sort of said it in passing. And... To make a very long story short, my wife calls me up at the time, and goes, well, my, she was my girlfriend at the time, she goes, Nashville looks like a great place to live. Do you wanna go visit it in October? And it's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, let's do it. And we did, and you know, man, now God in his sovereignty, he knows what he's doing, because it hasn't ever been like this again. I mean, there's been a few things that popped up, but we're here on vacation, and oh, Mac Powell's playing at the Wild Horse Saloon. Okay. Let's yeah. go. Phil Wickham's playing at a church over here. We we saw more Christian music in a couple of days than we do on Long Island. It was wild. And we're just like, I can get used to this. This felt like home. Like this where we didn't want to leave. We love the vibe here. Yeah. The places, the food. And, lo- and in the end, man, we, you know, I, I realized being Oh, again, God just ordaining, drawing us here. And, man, when I got here, it was it was scary as heck that first few months. And this is why I do tell this to a lot of people. And I may be jumping ahead of a question. Of, you may have a question about this later. But, man, the first three months of living here, I was like, I made a mistake. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. I didn't know where to go. Yep. There was no – it wasn't like it was a, a – a it wasn't the Christian music mecca that – in the way that i thought it was you know i was expecting more writers rounds more christian events it just wasn't that
0: well you were in nashville you didn't come down to uh, franklin and cool springs right <laughs> right
1: i mean at that time that's
0: where the hub is is really
1: yeah i mean it's, it's a thousand percent
0: well there, there's that but there's also that the record labels the christian music record labels about country music for people that understand mm-hmm. how nashville works as a whole the country music labels are all down on Music Row in mm-hmm. downtown Nashville, right. and, and the publishing companies and all that kind of stuff are sort of mm-hmm. centered around around downtown Nashville area, metro area. And most of the Christian music record labels and publishing are down in Brentwood and Franklin, which is about 20, 25 minutes south of downtown Nashville. So they're sort of two separated things. And for many, many years, they were very separated. Yeah. And, and who who interacted with them. They were two separate entities. O- over the past few years, they've kind of merged to some degree and they kind of bleed over into each other. Yeah, so yeah, that's, a lot of that. That's what I'm re- yeah. referring to, so yeah. people that don't
1: understand well, what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, particularly though, what I'm saying is like, events to, events to go to to meet people. Yeah, it's just, it was, at least when I was here, it was just like looking, just, you know, no Phil Wickham pop-up concerts, no, mm-hmm. uh, no, wait, no Mac Powell thing. How am I gonna meet people? I mean, uh, social media, okay, but like, I mean, even now it's like getting people to respond to you on social media is hard. Um, so it was, it, so the first couple of months here, we're like, what did I do? And then, man, I got a little lucky. I came across a ad from a guitarist from a Christian rock band at the time it was We as Human. I was uh, Justin Forshaw uh, offering guitar lessons. And I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know, man, I'm supposed to learn guitar. <laughs> and quickly realized that, man, I, I just get playing guitar is not my thing. I can play a little bit. It's just I don't enjoy it at yeah. all. Um, I, I'm a New York guy. I, I talk with my hands, so I sing with my hands, mm-hmm. too. Put something in them, I feel like I'm handcuffed, and I just didn't enjoy it, period. So, But through that, I met him, Jake Jones, Next thing you know, hey, we're looking to produce projects. I'm looking to st- write projects. It was a great marriage in the beginning, man. These guys were just, they were hungry to start producing and writing. I was trying to, you know, figure out how, well, you know, okay, I'm here in Nashville. I never wrote a song before. I've never even recorded a song, you know, but I'm willing to put, do whatever I got to do to make it happen, you know. And and that was sort of the very beginning, man. And, and you know, I learned pretty quickly. Um that you're kind of only as good as the people you surround yourself with in this town. No yep. matter how much talent or how much work ethic you have, you got to find people who are great at what they do. Yep. And Absolutely. The, coo- the cool thing is, is that, you know, like you may come to town, okay, maybe Seth Mosley isn't the first producer you're going to work with because he's a lot of money. And I know that they are pretty particular about who they're working with early on. Um, so, but, you know, you can find people here that just, um, that will elevate everything you do and push you and get the best out of you. And before you know it, you know, you're a few years into a career, um, and, you know, you're continuing to just grow and, and expand your network of people. And that was just sort of my story, man. It was doing that. And, um, you know, ultimately, man, I, I, I just I just kept following. Every, any Anytime I saw a door, I said, well, God put that door. Let me go knock on it. And that was sort of my my, you know, that was just sort of my game plan, just do that. And it's worked. I mean, literally you mentioned, as you sort of introduced this question, the, the lead into all this, but is how did I end up on those stages was ultimately, um, I just asked, but beyond that, I made sure that whatever I was putting out musically, on social media on a website was as high as high quality as I can make yeah you know so it's just ultimately one of those things man where I, I I just feel like I get super lucky it's like God God chose to put this opportunity in front of me and I chase it and I just like most most artists even some of the most established artists struggle with the wh- why 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 am I here right. <laughs> There are some amazing people
0: here. sure um well, I remember when you and I first met. Yeah.
1: Do you remember when we first met? I do. So I was, I was probably twice as insecure as I currently am.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. You, that never came across to me. Yeah. Um, but I remember, I, I don't remember how we found about each other. It may have been Facebook or probably something. Probably Facebook, I don't, I don't, yeah. Anyway, I, I saw that you were you were looking for a guitar player, and at that point, in my life this is i don't know was this 2015 16 something like that
1: i i'm gonna go i'm gonna venture and say it was it had to have been
0: you had just put out your first album
1: so yeah it was it had to have been 2016 okay. maybe it was early 2017 okay yeah
0: um and at that point i was out playing for different people yeah and um and so we we met at buffalo wild wings <laughs> in franklin and
1: those who know me would not be shocked by that yeah
0: um and so we hung out and got to know each other a little bit and we we decided that it it's not it wasn't going to work for whatever reason we decided that we just that we weren't going to pursue that particular yeah. thing um
1: it but, was i think that at the time is with i think it, that's what happens it was like well what i'm what i was quite looking for I'm you know and yet you were able to play you were able to do all those things yeah. it just for you i think if i remember correctly for you, it was more like, well, I just don't see myself being able to leave town for that long.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because you were going out and touring, and I've got my family at home, <laughs> and, and I was got touring and doing whatever. So all that to say, I do. What I remember is that when I took your, you gave me an album. Uh-huh. This was your first album, too. Yeah, it was the first EP. Yeah, and, and um, I took it home and listened to it, and I was very impressed. I was like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. You know, I was very impressed by the quality of it, and. Um, and just you telling me your story and like, this is the first time that you've done, this This is all brand new for you. And knowing that, I thought, man, this is really good. You know? So I, I knew that there were big things on the horizon for, for what you were going to do. Yeah. Um, and so it's been fun to watch your career over the years since then. Um, one of the things I'm curious about, because I know one of the things I see that you post, have posted online multiple times throughout the years is that you're always looking for players play in your band when you're out yeah. touring and those things kind of rotate on a semi-regular basis so semi yeah semi um i mean some guys have stuck around with you for a pretty good while and some you know yeah. and, it's, and it's always hard and, and not just you for a lot of people it's hard to find players that can that will stick with you oh I mean, yeah th- that's just a, a given yeah um but i, w- I want to know what that process is like for you that, yeah, that you've gone through with that, and what because people that are listening that are wanting to do what you and I do, mm-hmm. um, because we're not a band, we're not a part of a band, we are solo right. artists who hire players to be in our band, yeah, and go out and tour with us when when we do that. So, um, what has that process been like for you, and what do you look for when you're hiring? Yeah, that players? that's
1: a you know that that's a great great question. Um, and thank, I, you, thank you very much. <laughs> and I'll say that you know over the years. You know over the years that answer that question may have had different answers, you know because i have I've learned a lot in that process and it's um it's not um so it's complicated because—so I'm a person—I uh, think there's a, a famous—isn't there a famous song called, like, uh, I Fall in Love Too Easy or something like that?
0: Probably. Yeah.
1: So what happens is, um, for me—so the process usually starts, I just kind of reach out and go, hey, looking for guitar players, looking for bass player, looking for drummers, you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, p- many people hit me up. And, man, for me, it's the craziest thing. Just sometimes, just the way someone engages that conversation quickly can turn me off. Like, uh, no, I'm not interested. Like the people who are like, "Hey, I hear you're looking for a drummer. I've played for this person, that person, this person. I've done this. I'm just like, "Mm, goodbye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know. Uh, But you know, then it's like, but then somebody will message me and be like, "Hey, I saw your ad, man. You know, tell me more about tell me more about what you need. Ooh." See, there's someone interested in serving yeah. what I'm doing. That's what I need. Because, see, I'm serving something, too. You're not, you know, I'm not looking for you to serve me, but I'm looking to serve the cause. I'm looking to serve, you know, if we go into a church, it's like, you know, what a church maybe wants to have an event. It's like, how, you know, how can we serve your, you know, your ministry for the night? Yeah. You know, and if that means doing it our way with the lights, the sound, the way I want to do it, great. Sometimes they're like, well, we want you to do three sets and we want you to, we're serving that. So I love that servant's heart of coming at. I don't want the rock star heart, you know, throwing all your accolades at me. Good for you. Truth is, I've, I've told people you're in, I haven't even listened to, I haven't even heard him play because it's more about the, the heart, the attitude. And then a lot of times it's, well, let's hang out. And if we hang out for an hour, hour and a half, and you know, if I'm kind of like, man, Uh, I gotta go. I just, you know, if it's just clear, we're not, um, you know, if, if it's just clear for me, for both of us, like, or that, you know, I, I just want to go home now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like the The, the hang.
1: Yeah. The hang is, is just not going to be, um, it's just not gonna be conducive to something great on a one week run or Mm -hmm. a two week run. So I look for people that we just enjoy the company with one another and that's just never failed. I mean, I, you know, I, I've gone against that sometimes where I was like, well, I don't have time to look for anyone else, so I'll go with this guy, and sure enough, after one one or two rehearsals, they'll bail because we're just not a fit, uh, you know, and, and I can be, for me, I know, I, I'll tell people about right that, look, I am intense, I can be a ball of energy, I'm loud, um, you know, I'm that guy, and if that is too much for you, it's probably not going to work, you know, Um. You know, and 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 I just look for some of those things right away. I, what are those deal breakers? What's gonna make you go, uh I need to know what that is because that might be me, and that's okay. Yeah. Um. So that's sort of been the process, and a lot of times, you know, it's it's worked well. Where I've, I mean, I still have, for the most part, I still have great relationships with just about everyone who's ever played for me. Um. It's just what happens is, um. You know, a lot of people, yes, I want to do this, and then they do it, and it's like. Well, that's harder than I thought, or yeah. you know, or maybe hey, the my job isn't as understanding as they said they would be. That I was going to be away on weekends, or my wife isn't as cool with it as I thought. You know, um, that's typically the the issue. I've I don't I don't think I've ever had anybody been like you know I don't like playing for you goodbye. Like it just doesn't really boil down to that. I mean, sure, mainly it boils down to some people just don't want to travel, some people don't like. I mean. Some people, I've mean, I have had a guy who's like, I just want to show up and play. I don't want to help unload anything, and it's like, well, (laughs) thanks, thanks, but no thanks, you know. Right, but for me, and you can't do that in this town.
0: You can't be that guy. No, no,
1: and and not to that that that's ever really happened. I mean, I've had one person who would kind of act like that was beneath him, but uh, to his credit, the kid is an amazing, amazing talent, and playing guitar for me for his that guy's potential and what that what I believe he's going to do in the future uh was so far below what he's gonna achieve so it's like way better that he just you know that we'd moved on sure but uh it's just been it's been awesome and I mean I've had guys that were gonna play for me that it was, I was excited and then Austin French came calling and it's like yeah, go do that, man. Like, absolutely. But for me, the, the reason that I've had to rotate is then just life changes. People, people move places, they focus on different things. They just can't be available. Mm-hmm. So what I've always tried to do is make sure that I had multiple people to choose from. I kind of look at it like a um, it's almost like a like a like an NFL team, if you will. You know, you got your for the if I have a youth event, I have certain guys that I'm like, they're right. This guy on guitar is perfect the energy he brings to that youth event. Hey, if it's a simple church worship event, I got these other two guys fit that mold perfectly. I don't need the boisterous energetic guy for that one. Um, So it's nice to sort of have like, you know, different guys to plug in. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: That's interesting that you have different personality types for different Venues,
1: yeah. I, I that's sort of how I have it in mind sometimes, yeah, but for the most part, I mean, I have my I mean, pretty much right now, everyone that plays for me, like for instance, I have a guy named Randall. If it's acoustic, uh, he, acoustic, he's like my go to with, with local, especially local or short acoustic runs. Long runs aren't really his cup of tea, so if it fits that, he, I, I he's a go to because mm-hmm. he's always solid, he's going to rehearse. He does, he does everything you ask of him. He's, Mm -hmm. he's phenomenal in that regard. Um, you know, and then there's just, again, yeah, there's, there's different. And the the best part about it is, is the guys that I bring into my crew, no one gets their feelings hurt if I, yeah, I go, I'm going to go with Jonathan on this run. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. But if you need me, let me know. Mm -hmm. I have a guy who plays guitar for me who can in a pinch play drums, can play bass. He can even sing a little bit, but he doesn't like it. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've talked to him about, hey, man, I was like, well, how would you feel about maybe being the sound guy next year uh, on some runs? And he's just like, yeah, dude, cool. He's just happy to be part of something and serve it and, you know, use many pieces of his talent. There's no, uh, what, unfortunately, there's no better way to say it, but there's no butt hurt in that. And those are guys that I want. I want guys whose feelings aren't hurt if I go another route. Or, I know it's your favorite song to play, but it doesn't fit this event, I'm cutting it. Like and knowing, Or, hey, I love your idea, man, but not this time. You know, it's having guys around me that are not going to have their feelings hurt. But ultimately, it just, I mean, everyone just, I don't know, man. Like, I, I love the guys who play for me, and that is a problem for me. I fall in love with some of these guys to the point, man, where like, they feel like family. Sure. And it's hard to let them go. Like, I had to let a guy go a couple years ago that was like, my, he was my boy we went every week, we hung out a lot and it just got to that point where I realized, man, like the, you know, and someone kind of pointed out, like, you know, he wasn't great at playing acoustic guitar. He was, he was a pure electric guitarist and that would hinder me because it's like, well, I want to do this acoustically. It's just not something he was very strong in. Mm-hmm. So his limitations became my limitations. And I'm like the, It doesn't work, you know, and then he was also going through a season of stuff where it was like, man, you need to focus on that. You can't do the music thing. And what I had found, which was hard for me, was I found I had other guys come in and play. And it's just now I get it why it's it's hard to be an NFL coach when your quarterback who's been living and dying for you week in, week out. And this young rookie comes in and rips it up. How do you how do you go back you can't you just can't and that's sort of what happened there and it that was tough and that's a um you know that unfortunately relationally is it was hard to do it was hard to deal with and I'm still like I still want to like call him up and go come back bro I want to hug you (laughs) because I still do care about him. but you know it's like that's been the challenge and then I've had people just decide man I just don't want to do the touring thing anymore and it cuts so deep it hurts because it's it's a relationship that's that you feel like is ending because for the most part, for and the other hard part is realizing you love some of these guys like family, and it's always been business for them. Right. And it's like, oof, okay, you know. So, so I, I've had to learn how to navigate that because that's hard for people. Sure. You know. And I think it's
0: something that we all struggle with because for most people, most artists, when you have guys that play for you and they've been doing it for a long time. They yeah. are like family. And it's true. Uh-huh. I mean, and it goes both ways. Yeah. When you're playing for someone, you know, you're their brother. Yeah. You know, you're like brothers. You are like family. And you are I mean, you're brothers in Christ. Yes, but it's like you physically feel like, you know, cuz you're living life together. And that's that's what the church does. Yeah. You know, so you are living that out. You're living out what the church does in a very concentrated compact scenario with four or five people you know on a regular basis yeah so i mean i think that's normal um to have that have that reaction have that feeling um you know as an artist when you're hiring people it's like okay yeah you're hiring you're hiring a player for a job but at the same time as that relationship develops they do become like your family you know and you are super close knit. and when it when it goes away for whatever reason you know it's like you're Pulling a piece of you out is is yeah. leaving. You know, it's like it's it's like a death to some degree, um, depending on what that relationship is like in the process. You know, yeah. so I understand that. Yeah, um, it's what, it's more family than it is business. Yeah, to a, to a very large extent, I believe.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, the 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 other thing that I would say that has made me it has made me successful with guys who play, so. You know, like most bands, I've used, uh, you know, I do u- utilize tracks to fill a lot of gaps, you know. Um, I mean, that's sort of the norm these days. I mean, I, I don't know of any, like, act that I've ever played with that didn't have a track rig sitting there, you know. Except for
0: me. I don't.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that's and that's totally fine. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mainly talking like the oh, CCM know. pop kind of thing. It's, it's just super rare. But um, what I find is there's a lot of solo artists who go out there and... Literally, the drummer has to play along with the track exactly as because the drums are still in the track Mm -hmm. or like they are. They brought a bass player on, but he's still playing bass over a track that has bass in it, which makes zero sense to me. You're asking guys to be a stage prop. I don't think that's right. I think it's wrong. And I'm not I'm not ashamed. If you're listening to me say this, and you're like I do that, and you want to defend it, no, dude, you are making it a miserable experience for a musician that you hired to come out and play for you, because they don't get any artistic freedom. They don't. I mean, they could not play. They can unplug their 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 instrument. And no one would know. That's not fair. How about we pl- unplug your microphone, and um, you know have you lip sync if you don't already? Um, what fun is that? So when when these 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 artists that complain they can't find guys because they're not fulfilling anything, and so I've made it a point, man. The drums you hear, unless it's necessary, maybe there's an eight oh eight playing along with the kick drum or something in the track yep. that makes sense. But no, I'd, by no means am I going to ask my drummer to like not enjoy his version of how to play my song. And my, I have a rule with everybody. I go, look, you don't have to play it like on the record. Just make sure it feels the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the song's conveying a message. That has to come across. If that means you wanna play, you know, you wanna kind of play this different little part instead of what's on the track, as long as, and you know what, in cases these guys have done this and I'm going, wow, why isn't that on the record? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. My drummer's like, hey, what if I, what if instead of this fill, I did this? I'm like, oh, you just made my live show twice as good. But instead of making these guys be like just stage props, let them do their thing. And and, and that's the thing. I've always live treated it like a band. I've been like, hey, guys. Right. So I got this transition that I want to do. And I tell them. And then I've had a drummer go, dude, that's cool. What if we did this? That, that idea is better than mine. Dude, love it. And like we have a way I introduced the band that was uh, it started off with an idea I had. I said, here's how I want to do it. And then my drummer goes, dude, we should do this. I should play the beat for, uh," he's like, I should play the beat for, um, like, Billie Jean, uh, the the Billie Jean song uh, um, by Michael Jackson, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I introduce him. And then I say, on the bass, and then um, doom, bass player, doom doom doom, 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 And, you know, we just keep adding the parts. <laughs> yeah,
0: just layering and then, it
1: up. Yeah, and I'm like, another hand from my band. These kids are not my sons. Everyone laughs. <laughs> there you
0: goes. know,
1: And then uh, it's morphed into something else, man. Now, we, now, now the guys kind of do something a little different, and something new we've added to that whole thing is, and I probably should even say this because it's supposed to seem like it's spontaneous, but that's oh, fine, but my guitar player starts playing. Uh, Like instead of the trash can ending, they morph into a trash can becomes playing the end of Jesus Freak
0: okay yeah and
1: you know and so i act like oh that's funny because i and what we've done now is i call them like give a hand for these jesus freaks and they turn into playing that i act surprised it's funny and then i rap the very end part which people don't expect rap out of me you know Mm. (laughs) so it's like it's what is it the part about the marmalade jelly it took Mm -hmm. me a while to catch what it said because i had them at the rhythm of it you know and uh we just finish that out do one chorus and then trash can ending and you know another hand for the band like that's Bandageo, that all started because my, my I allowed my drummer, the the forum to say, what about this? I don't know a lot of solo artists who do that with their hired guns. It's this is what you'll do, yeah. play it like this, shut up. It's like give these guys creative freedom and let them enjoy it. They'll play with you forever. And um, I mean, for, the, for and recently, the only reason guys don't play with me that has been on my crew the last two years is because. They said yes to someone else because they do play for multiple people. Yep. Or, man, they've got something even bigger. And it's been like – and I tell these guys all the time, do not feel sorry. Do not feel bad. My goal is that you played for me once, and if a year from now you're out with for king and country, man, I'm, I'll am i drive you there wherever I got to go. Like, if, if you – and, like, that's my, my – my, and they know that. My goal is to help them – go do bigger and better things than, than I'll ever do. Yeah. I don't try to ever keep them down. I don't try to guilt trip them. And it's, if, any, if you can learn anything from the way I treat my guys, is, man, treat them better than you treat yourself. Pay, I mean, the truth is, I pay them, those guys probably, <laughs> the band, most of the time, band members make more than I do after a show. It's been very rare that I've made more than the, they do. Um, you know, not that I overpay them. I always tell them, Hey guys, you guys, you guys are all worth a lot more than I can pay. Thank you for being here. I make sure we eat like Kings on the road. You know, I mean this idea that, you know, you get $10 per diem is ridiculous to me. Take your band who's helped you, especially any artist. They've helped you load in. They've helped you load out. They've talked to people. They have, um, you know, they have really lightened your load up in a lot of ways. I mean, especially if you have band members who will pray with people at a show Um, I mean, I've had band members who don't want to even go talk to anybody if they will be out there and they will, someone tells them, Hey, love your drumming. And they tell you something and they go, and they, and you have a, I got my drummer will go, can I pray with you, man, treat those guys well, because that's what this is about, you know? Yeah. And, um, but I mean, I said, I I don't, I don't know how much someone's going to glean from all the way I do it. Not saying it's the way I do it is better than everybody, but if you treat people well, um, and give these musicians the space to do the things that they have been working their tail off to do, man. You're you're gonna have no trouble finding people to play with.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. I completely agree, and I love that you do that. I love that you're the way that you treat your players. Mm. You know, I think that's just a fantastic thing that that more people need to do. You yeah. Know? And I, I think most, I think most artists treat their their players well, but just going, making sure that you're going above and beyond. You know, I mean, just it's little things, just those little things make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. And and the commitment level of someone wanting to come back and say, oh, I'll play with you again. I'll keep going out with you. And because I know that you're going to take care of me if I'm playing yep. for you, I know that you've got my back and, yeah. and vice versa. And so we're going to take care of each other. And we're out on the same mission, yeah. Doing the same ministry. And hopefully those are the same goals that everybody has. And I love that you guys are going to go and do more. You know, yeah. and have bigger opportunities that they they might stay with you as your as your career rises, and then they might get opportunities to do other things that are bigger than what you're doing, or what I, bigger than what I'm doing. And yeah, and it's like, go for it. Yes, let's yeah. do that. Let's make sure that you're getting those opportunities. I love, yeah, I love that mentality and that and that commitment. That's super super good.
1: Yeah, super I mean, good. I you know, listen. That one thing I've learned, and and I, you know what, listen, I I. I don't believe—there I there was a time where I used to tell to people I'm a self-made person, and then I realized that nobody's self-made. And the truth is, man, I have had people in my life that have in a, indirectly taught me how to treat other people in that way. Some people are a boss. Other people are a leader. Jesus was the ultimate leader in his example by, again, washing the feet. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. he put, he, you know, I mean, in that, I mean, and and that's to me, the ultimate example, serve your people, serve your guys, serve your people. Uh, you know, I mean, even though everyone knows like for in Jesus case, this is Jesus. He does not have to be doing this. He shouldn't be doing this, but he feels like, no, this is my opportunity to serve you as you have served me. And that's the way to do it, man. Like, I mean, again, I've had people in my life who have been, you know, sort of that, that alpha, that alpha guy didn't have to sit down, have, you know, hey, just, just come hang out in my office with me for a while, man. Like, you know, you clearly just need, like, like, I remember this, this guy, John, that, that, I I mean, he's like a brother to me, but there was a period, man, where things were really low in my life. And, you know, he was willing to, I mean, (laughs) I was going to buy a truck and he was a little worried about like, oh man, you know, it is kind of old. It is. And he had had the same truck and I'm like, well, I know you're busy. Would you, would you be willing to check it out before I buy it? And he's like, yeah, let's go. Like we well, hopped in the car right then and there for me. And he didn't have to do that. There was no personal benefit for him. He genuinely cared. And you know, my job at that time in, you know, was, was like to make him money. I was that <laughs> kind of an employee, more or less an employee of his. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to do that, but he, he looked, and that was how it was his MO. He'd look out. If you were in his circle, he's going to look out for you. and, I always remember feeling like that's a guy that I can turn to no matter what's going on in my life. And he very well could have always treated me like, you know, well, you're just here to benefit me. That's what I pay you for, right? But he oh, he took it to another level. We're 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 like brothers to this day. He is still one of the greatest men that I've ever had the 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 pleasure of knowing. And it's hit leadership examples like that that have made me, you know, like my drummer even after it was looking like he was going to be getting an opportunity um, to play for someone in the country world, um, and he still might end up with that opportunity, things have got, you know just kind of been in flux on that. But he had kind of told me, "Hey man, I'm going to kind of go that route. I don't know that I can make myself available. No problem. You know what? He happened to call me one day. Hey man, I'm I'm going to have this procedure done, and I don't have anyone to take me. Uh, would you take me? Hmm. Yeah, because why, man?" Whether you're actively playing for me, might play for me down the road, whatever it is, man, I got you. Yeah, it's you friendships. Know? Yeah, of it's course. friendships. Like, and, and for me, it was amazing because, look, I, I come from a, a background in life where, man, I had very few real friends in my life growing up, you know, because I learned at a young age, you know, sometimes having the wrong people around you could cost you dearly. And most, you know, like my dad used to always tell me as a kid, like, they're not really your friends. They're not really your friends. And you know what? He was right 99% of the time. Um, So I think I've always longed for those real close friendships, you know, and finding them in this way has been wild. I mean, we did a Christmas episode two nights ago right here in this podcast studio. Um, We happen to be recording this in my studio today. But uh, we happen to have that um, right here. And, man, like the the five guys, the four other guys that I asked to be here, I was like, hey, man – We'd love to have you be here, do like a Christmas party episode, and we'll just sort of talk about what life has been like playing for me, and like, you know, you can make, it's their opportunity to roast me a little bit, (laughs) a lot of the funny things that have happened, I was good with it, but man, it was the greatest four and a half hours that we've all had in a while, because we we played a card game, we filmed that, that's going to be coming out on the special too, but it's like, they all instantly, yes, oh man, I got something going on that night, but I'm going to move it, because I want to be there. And it was like, and the cool part wasn't just for me. None of those guys knew each other prior to playing for me. And they're all like BFFs. One guy flew from Minnesota to be here for it, wow. you know, and couldn't wait to see Chris. And Jonathan couldn't wait to uh, see Nathan again because they only hung out that one weekend. And it was like, you, you would have swore we've known each other for years. And it's like being part of building that and being part, even if I remove myself from it, everyone's like, close. That's the satisfaction. When I'm at the end of my career, I know I'm going to look back on a lot of the connections I was ha- part of helping make, part of the moments, the laughter that we're gonna, never going to forget. That's what it's all about. And that's the thing, man. If you're And if you're listening to me talk right now, build a family, not employees. Build something that's all about you know, that's all positive and enjoyable because literally maybe 5% of the time that you're that you're going to be doing music is actually performing music. Right. So, you know, you, it doesn't matter. Like, when you have guys come and audition, like, I'm sorry, but if the first thing you care about is how well they can play their Mixolydian scales or whatever it is, you're probably missing the boat because, I've, I mean, literally, my drummer, the first rehearsal he came, he was terrible. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. So I called him. and was like, hey, man, that rehearsal wasn't great. He called me out and went, well, you know what? You didn't tell me what songs to know. You just said, here's a list of my songs. Learn a few. He goes, I'm, I'm not good at that. You, he goes, I, I need you to lead and go, I need these. You need to show up at rehearsal and play these five songs. He's like, because then I can laser focus on those five songs, and I'm going to nail them. And I went, you know what? Okay. Gave him the songs and said, all right, we'll come over in two weeks. We'll, we'll try again. Boy, did I almost make a mistake telling him no thanks. Wow. I mean, that dude can play. And he pointed out, dude, you're a terrible leader. <laughs> you know, like you need to say this is what I want. Yeah. Not Here's all my songs. It doesn't matter because he, my insecurity allowed me to go, oh, I want him to pick songs he's going to like because I'm afraid he won't play for me if he doesn't like the songs I picked. Not true. Fake, fake thought. Mm-hmm. Could have cost me the best drummer and one of the best guys I've ever been on the road with. You know, he's been smart enough to go, "Hey, man, you know, you had a couple people standing there waiting for you, and you didn't even see them there because I was so focused on the one conversation." He's like, "Just be careful of that, dude. Thanks for you're letting you're making me better." Yeah. By going, "Hey, be careful of that," because my, my my rear awareness is terrible. So you, I mean, I've had people walk away like, "Oh, he didn't. He ignored me." It's like no, no. So I've like chased people down a hall, like wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, I saw you waiting there, you know. But he'll pray with people. There's been moments where he's going, hey guys, 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 we should all go pray for that guy over there. It's like, good awareness. I didn't even see that. Thanks, man. That's like, and I it almost got blown up because of my poor leadership. And I'm so grateful for guys like him. Willing. There's a lot of guys who just would have on that first phone call. Yeah, man, that rehearsal really it wasn't great. I just don't know if this is a fit. They would have went. Okay, no problem. But he went, well, let me tell you what I think was the problem. You. Whoa. I never had that in my life. Yeah. And he knew I was going through a lot at that time, too. Uh, my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer. We had. I was in a, My main man was going through a divorce. Like, things were not feeling good. So he sort of helped resurrect this during that season, and I'm grateful. So guys who are willing to push you, guys who are willing to show up and tell you the truth— don't don't hate the truth man you know you'll have plenty of band members that come and tell you everything you want to hear when you get guys who are willing to tell you <laughs> like that wasn't good man <laughs> you know or like dude did you know you were a half of you were a beat off that entire second half of that song and you're like i, I couldn't hear anything in my ears i didn't know you know click was gone like yeah it was bad like thanks <laughs> thanks for you need guys yeah, like sure that. absolutely or, or girls yeah you know, but that's another story.
0: <laughs> well, you know? um, yeah, and that's all. That's all fantastic. I, I really appreciate you being willing to share yeah. those, those details from your perspective and what that. That's really going to be helpful for people listening. I hope um, so. I, I want to ask: um, when you started pursuing this, you know, and going out and touring as an indie artist, yeah, are you? yourself, are you booking the shows yourself how, or is someone booking them for you or did you hire a booking agency or if you're yeah. doing it yourself, like how are you pursuing and finding shows to go out and book these tours?
1: Okay. So, you know, I, especially in the beginning, I, um, so early on, you know, n- nobody knew who I was, you know, I mean, here I am kind of cold, cold reaching out to people and, you know, w- I will tell you a couple of mistakes I made along the way too. Hopefully, again. Hopefully, this is all helpful to somebody. Um, you know, some of the mistakes that I made early on in that in the process was okay. Cool. Now I did handle all the booking myself. Okay. And I honestly think for most people that's just the way to go. Um, just because, uh, especially in the beginning, because paying somebody else just to um, paying somebody else to try to sell you when you really haven't done anything sellable yet um, it isn't helpful. Uh, You know, so the best thing you can do is just help make people like you. Uh, So what I had done was I'd kind of hit social media pretty hard with just as much content as I could, whether it was, you know, we're in the studio recording. I'd take a, you know, take those selfies, the the short videos of, like, the producer. You see every—I mean, if you're in—if you follow enough musicians, everyone does this. Right. You know, we're in the studio doing this. Uh, But one of the things that I seem to— because I had kind of mixed my personal stuff with my music stuff. So I would go to a lot of concerts and share that I'm there supporting this concert. And that seemed to help. It seemed to think, it seemed to make people realize that I'm not just, Hey, I want to be famous. It's like, I want to be part of this big thing. Uh, as a, I'm a supporter. I'm also a help. I'm also here to serve. And then, you know, I, I would serve on my church and, and do sound that I would share stuff of me doing that. Like we had this one young girl singing for us for the first time. I was blown away, took a quick video, this girl's first time singing. I feel blessed to be behind this, behind the mixer, helping facilitate that and show people that I I'm just willing to serve God in music in this way. Um, but ultimately man, what worked very well for me was making sure, that everything musical that people found from me was as high quality as I was able to make it. Um, you know, and again, w- what I'm not saying is that it has to be higher than everyone else. It doesn't. It just has to be high quality. Um, that means that you know you, your your artwork it looks good, your your songs are good, your your um, you know the <laughs> it's mixed, it's mastered properly. Um, and it's presented in in a, in a very good way. Like, in my opinion, it's like, and you have to kind of take a good look at, okay, who am I, quote, competing with? And I'm doing air quotes with my fingers. Because you're not really competing, but that's the market you're trying to stand in and go, I belong. Mm-hmm. So you have to look at, for argument's sake, we mentioned Sidewalk Profits earlier. How are they marketing themselves and their music? How is Mercy Me doing this? How is Casting Crowns marketing? How is... You know, everyone is on the radio. How are they marketing their music and themselves right now? Look at that and then take the things that they're doing and go, okay, like which of these fit me and who I am? I like that they did that. I'm going to do that too. Hey, I like what they did, but I have an idea to make it my own. And take all those ideas and market yourself that way. And social media is huge in that. And now what happens is when then – Then and only then. Because what you're doing when you're reaching out for someone to book, you're saying, first off, hi, this is who I am. This is what I do. And here's my music. (laughs) Here's my music. Here's links to my socials so that you can see stuff about me. And what you want to do is link them to it so that they can see, wow, this is well done. Because let's face it, if you're messaging a church, a festival, or anybody else, so's lots of other people. You need to stand out. And a good amount of those people are sending demo quality music, mm-hmm. terrible social media. Like if you're pointing them to social media where you're like, you know, uh, where this it's the same social media where you're like, I was at Kroger yesterday and I can't believe gas is 295. That's not that's not professional musician stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're pointing them to something that's not high, a high level, high, high quality. So. Um, I have just, so I, I was sending out emails like crazy, getting people to just listen to my music and I heard nothing back and that's not uncommon. You know, you get no, you get just no response. And I realized one of the things early on for me was, man, so people know what my face looks like. They can listen to my songs. They don't have any idea if they were to book me what this is going to look like. So we did a music video. And the whole music video, essentially, is just me and a couple of guys in a band in this, like, warehouse looking room. I remember that. Yeah. And we videoed it. And the goal behind that music video, for me, it was I want people to go, that's what it's going to look like on my altar. That's what this is going to look like on a f- festival stage. And so that's what I went for. Because at that time, everyone who was making a music video was doing the dimly lit warehouse thing with the lights. So let's do this song and let's rock out and get some really cool angles. And we did that right away. I was the no, no responses were becoming. Yeah, we would love to have you. Yeah, we love to have you. Yeah, we love to have you. Uh, I mean, my first big opportunity would have literally been like my second show ever. I was supposed to. I was supposed to open up directly, like me then them. I was supposed to open for uh, for, for King and Country. At a festival up in, uh, used to be in Clarksville. Uh, it was going to be the final year that they were doing this. It was this huge music event that happened right in the, I mean, they had everyone who was everyone play at this thing. And, you know, little old me impressed them with my music video and they were going to put me on before for King and Country. Well, thunder and lightning ruined that. And I, You know what though? Funny part, it's just a little side part. I wasn't ready for that kind of opportunity at that time. So as numb and upset and hurt as I felt about 2 years later I kind of looked back at how far I've come as a live performer and went I'm really glad I didn't play that show because it just wouldn't have been it like I probably at that time it probably would have been the perfect warm up act for them because just a lot of our show was just all right we're going to go play this song there wasn't any of that stuff that makes a show great outside of just playing music and um but in this process man, it's just booking by myself has been the only way it works well. I've had booking agents try to do it and they it, it you know, and, and to be honest, I find most of the quote booking agents trying to that, that are out there saying, "Hey, pay us X amount, we'll book shows for you." Man, they're just trying to get 100 bucks a month out of you and you're probably not going to get the you know, um, you're just probably not going to get your money's worth out of the deal most times. That's my experience. Um I mean other people may have different experiences, but ultimately I feel like you're better off reaching out to people yourself now when you do that and again I've learned this the hard way and this is what I do now and this is what's gotten me on i feel has gotten me on these big festivals you mentioned earlier yeah is one i've 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 learned how to craft an email very well even visually uh for instance you put a <laughs> i'll take a jpeg with a uh uh, you know, just take like a just a regular picture and I have added like what looks like that little play button like it's gonna be a video right on the email, but instead that actually links quickly to a YouTube video if they click it, which is fine because if you just click the link, look here, they're not going to do it. but if it's a picture and they think, oh, there's a video, click, boom, links to the YouTube and now they can watch something that's been huge. Hmm. interesting, you know, so i've I've done that's one little trick, but man, do not email people with, hi, I am so-and-so, and I've played with this band, and I've opened for this band. And I've... That does not matter. Yep. Here's what you got to do. You want to reach out, especially to a church, or even, uh, honestly, even a festival. Hey, uh, you know, my name's so-and-so, and I saw that maybe, uh, maybe this is the case. I saw that your church has previously hosted, uh, you know, bands and artists for special events, and we're... We're looking to come through your area, particularly would love to come to your church. Uh, the, the, you know what? Um, right now I have a single out, like next year actually, I have a single out come, called Serenity, right? And it's like I plan on reaching out to churches, letting people know. I just came out with a single called Serenity. The tour is called the Serenity Tour, and our main message on this tour is... Centers around accepting the fact that we can't change the way things that have happened to us over the last couple of years or in our lives. But what we can do is we can take control of the things that we can. We can trust God with the direction that He's taken our lives. No matter how hurt, how how hard that is, or how unexpected those turns are, we know we can trust Him, and that uh, th- you know there's just no better path to follow than the path that God is laying out before us. Uh, so this is the mess. That's the core message we want to bring to an event, and then you know we include lights, sound. We can even do an acoustic version. Blah blah blah. Within your budget, sometimes I'll add exactly what we're asking for. Other times we like if you want to discuss this further. How we'd happy to be figure out how we can make this work, your budget, great. What did I do in that conversation? I made them know this is what we're coming to say. Do you want that talked about and said? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I mean, you'll get way more yeses that way than if you're like, I'm a big deal. I'd rather them then click my EPK and read about, you know, those details later rather than what I've shoved in your face. You know, there's nothing better than maybe you see someone on TV, right? You Maybe you watch The Voice, and you go, wow, that singer was really good. You look him up, and you're like, whoa, I didn't know that was so-and-so's kid. Or, wow, they've got six albums out, and they've been on TV. I didn't know any of that. They didn't talk about it on The Voice. It makes you like them better because of the humility. But ultimately, let's face it, when you want a booking, when you go out to show shows, no one cares what you've done. That matters nothing. What are you bringing to this event, What are you bring? What message are you bringing? What is your heart about? Because they can book someone better than you at music. They could book someone who looks better, done more. They could do all that. But no one can quite bring the exact message you're bringing. So that has to be your focus. And if it's not your focus and, you know, you just, um, I mean, you're going to have a hard time booking things, I think. You know, and then, of course, though, yes, here's my message. Here's what I want to do. But what they're if what you link them to is not high quality, like I said, an EPK that's well documented, well put out who you are, what you're about. Um, and yeah, sure. Some of what you've done, um, you know, because yeah, some people might be like, well, I've, I got this single and it got five million streams. The, to be honest, the church doesn't really care about that if that's what you first tell them. Yeah. But if they find that out, they go, wow, people really like this stuff. That's that later stuff. It's that later... It's like oh, you almost got to look at your EPK like that person that walks in the room and goes, yeah, that Tom Golly guy, he's legit. That, that's the second thing they're going to find. That's going to back it up. Your first point of contact has to be that. And I have just found, man, that just being who you are, focusing on the message and making sure everything they're going to f- go and look at after the fact is high quality. But also, too, be flexible as you can. If you can be agreeable and flexible in date time format of how you do the show um don't be the guy and I've been this guy don't be the guy who's like well we deserve a later slot because we're a bigger artist than that and that I made that mistake once my ego got the better of me I didn't like where I was in the lineup and got kicked off the festival because of it um and then later you know, we, we had a good discussion and and I ended up back on it, but uh, it was just one of those things where like, you can't let that stuff be the focus or let that happen, you know? And, uh, but booking is just very, again, it's, it's a very low percentage success rate. Uh, You have to just, you have to ask everybody you can pay attention to social media, look at where other people are playing. uh, Because again, if a church is willing to book, I mean, uh, you know, i call them b like b and c level bands uh you know maybe maybe they're not booking mercy me but maybe they'll book seven time down uh maybe they're not booking skillet but they're you know maybe they'll bring in like seventh day slumber there's a good shot maybe maybe that church would consider bringing me in mm-hmm. you know uh especially if your sound is a lot different than what they have in they might be like oh cool this is different than that yeah let it be a, it, it, it'll be a fun night to have that and that's sort of the, the thing. Like I said, you, the problem, I think, with the idea of hiring a booking agent when you're an independent is the idea—that's a microwave mindset, in my opinion, of, oh, someone's just going to get me shows. I'll pay them. And I just don't know how successful that's going to be without you doing your end of things, which is making sure everything's high quality, make sure everything's on par and it's just not that it's not that easy. I know you know from experience. I mean, if if I had to guess, you probably just like me send tons of emails every week, every month. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah. and and really, one in three hundred response. <laughs> response. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with
0: you. I've actually, we're we're similar in how we lay out our emails and how we contact people. Yeah, like those are things that you learn over time and how mm-hmm. to craft the email and an introduction to people. Short and sweet. Here's what it is. And then they, you know, they either get back to you or they don't. Um, and I'll be honest, I've actually been very blessed to have a higher percentage rate of people re- responding to me. They may not say yes. Right. But just the fact, because the, the thing I hate most, like my, one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when people just do not respond. Yes. They just don't answer. Yep, not like, a fan. Tell, yep. me, tell me no all day long. It sucks. I get it we'll move on. Thank you. But at least you told me, at least you got back to me and said something. Yeah. But when people just don't answer at all whatsoever. Yeah. And especially when you know that they've yeah. gotten the message, like, you know, there, there are certain, sometimes there are ways to know when someone has seen something or read something That's or correct. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and you know that. And then they say, and they just don't ever get back to you. Like, Oh, they're ghosting me or whatever that term is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, It's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's a relationship that's not going to last or whatever. But um, but all that being said, is I've I've been blessed to be able to have a larger percentage of people actually respond to me, and so I've been, um, and even even at that quote unquote higher response level, it's still super super hard to yeah. actually follow through and make something happen. So building a tour is not easy. No. Um, but when you, but where you. Typically bring in, for people listening that are trying to figure this stuff out for the first time, where you typically bring in a booking agency to to work for you, to book for you, is that we've been out doing it for so long, and we've been so busy booking our own shows, and they see that you're having success on your own doing it, and that we're to a point now that we're, we're so busy doing other stuff that we don't have really have the time to focus on the booking yeah. because it's affecting putting an album together or putting shows together or whatever it is that you need help. Yeah. And so that, that's where the agency comes in and we'll start doing it for you because they see that they've, that you've got, you're bringing value to them. Yeah. They're bringing value to you and it's, it, it's a win-win for everybody, but that yeah. doesn't typically happen until you've been in it in the game for a few years. Yeah. And I mean, having success. Yeah. And, and
1: if somebody would like, if somebody was to approach me with that, like, Hey, we, we love the book for you okay, cool. What I need to see is I need to see some analytics. And if they can't provide me with that, uh, you know, like I need to know, you know, who have you been booking for? What's your success rate look like? You know? Um, and you know, like I just, I need some transparency there because you know, it's crazy how often, like I did one tour with a couple other artists. It was really the first time I've ever really done anything with other artists. I almost always do my own. Um, and, and and not that it was a bad experience it was just it was tough because you know at one event one of the other artists on the show on the show had a, a you know like i was quarterbacking all of the finances but yet like the relationship you know one of the other artists had with um you know w- with that person sort of made it a little difficult to deal with certain things in the way that i might nor- normally and uh it just ultimately becomes uh it just may ultimately become a little chaotic at times with that. But for me, like, you always hear the stories of, you know, um, of just the booking agent, oh, like the booking agent messed up. I mean, like, and we, I, we actually had it happen at one of the shows where they were supposed to pay us a, a small amount, provide us lodging and do an offering. Well, like the offer. And then when I when I called to advance it and get everything and I'm like, great. So how are you? How did you want to do the offering? They're like, what offering? So I go and look at the contract, and I'm like, "There's no mention of an offering in here. What what is going on?" Um, you know, and I had to I had to deal with that. I had to fix that. You know, um, I mean, and in the end, it was fine. But it's just like, you know, the last thing I want to do as an artist, uh, if I'm having if I'm having somebody else do anything, you don't want to have. I mean, you don't want to have to come back. Like, you, nobody wants to order food and then have to finish cooking it when it gets, you know, when when it finally gets in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what. What that has happened, I've also had people, hey, we're a booking agent, we, we. I mean, th- there's th- there's this one guy who's still, for some reason, somehow, he's still able to out there victimize, and I won't say his name, but uh, if you've ever been contacted in a way where someone's claiming they can get you on festivals, uh, no, they can't, uh, because most of the festivals that this guy's mentioning, I've already talked to, already reached out, know for a fact if you do not have a record label if you are not on a major label, they will not even consider you. And then there's amazing like festivals like LifeFest that absolutely will bring in a uh, independent artist. You got to know who. Uh, but you know there are people out there who will gladly take a hundred dollars or more a month from you, promise you all these big opportunities that never come. Yeah. So you got to be leery of that. And, and, but I really say, man, like, yes, if, if you don't have the time and you can find people you trust to send emails, have those conversations, you know, you, you know, when you tell them, these are the dates, I'm looking the book, what can you do? And they get you, they get you gigs. Absolutely, man, do it. But you can do it yourself too. It's not that hard. Yeah. It's not that hard. Listen to this podcast. Uh, I mean, shoot, I'm sure people can hit you up. I'm sure you have a format of a, of a, of, of something that um, you can send out to people. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of free information out there. Yeah, and you can do it. And just you know, just know that, when, especially when you're just starting out, you will hear no way more than you ever hear yes. Oh
0: goodness. Well, even even when you've been successful yeah. for many years. I mean, I've had tons of guests on that are that everybody knows their name and they know what they've done. Yeah. And they will come back. We'll have the conversation and they'll tell me, you know, I've had this many successes in my career. And then I go to reach out or I go to to submit something for this thing. And it's just like starting over again. Uh It doesn't matter what I've done in the past. Right. It only matters what how good this is now
1: right you know, how high quality is this it, yeah. you know what what's the core message that's what they want mm-hmm. and you know the like that's what's gotten me on festivals i mean man, i've been asked on the, some of these big festivals
0: too so how are you uh, you alluded to it a little bit earlier but let's talk a little more detail yeah. on how are you getting into festivals how are you reaching out to a festival for them to say yes to you because I mean, because most festivals yeah. you know main stage is usually restricted to label major label artists, you know, yeah. people who are signed. Their music is on the radio, yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, side stages are a different thing, but you're playing the, some of these festivals that are you're getting to play the main stage before, you know, right before yeah. for King and Country or, or whoever else, and that's not usually designated for an independent artist. Right. So how have you been able to accomplish that on a
1: regular basis? I mean, the the right answer, the and the most honest answer I can give before I give you some of the tactics is look only god can do that and i i've said this a million times whenever i've announced and something like that an opportunity like that like hashtag only god can do this because man um it's just like the answer i i should have gotten was no but it was a yes absolutely this is great um so there's that okay uh But for the most part, you know, like we got to play one fest a couple years back uh, and that was wild, man. I mean, the guys who played with me on that one, we still talk about like we got out of the van and just we got out of the van, which was side stage, walked out and like there's Duncan's from the Newsboys Mm -hmm. drum kit. And (laughs) there's all this crazy, crazy stuff on the stage. And like we're and we're standing there like hey I was like I remember going, Hey guys, anyone else just feel like yo security is gonna come in and go, hey, You can't be here any second? Right? <laughs> it just felt like that, you yeah. know. And um, you know, there's all these different buses just like around around just outside where it's like my little tiny van, which feels like it's giant most days, it seemed really a little tiny but behind these next to these buses, you know. And um, you know, we, we got that opportunity because of somebody who was on the board of that festival had heard my song. His name is Jesus. And, you know, as a songwriter, he's like, dude, it's so well written. I love the message. I love that you use Jesus in a song. Um, And he's like, I want to see if I can get you on this festival. And the conversation started off like, Hey, um, you know, what would it take to have you come up and play to play on our festival? You know, now, of course, I have guys I got to pay. I got, you know, there's lodging. There's things like that. It started off, hey, this is, you know, this is how much I would ask for if you could provide. Great. Comes back, hey, um, so we're, we're, you know, uh, everyone, I played the song for everyone at the board meeting. It was really great. Uh, Everyone's, like, really excited. I showed them your social media. I showed them some of your videos, which I made sure that the videos that I have available of me singing live, Look and sound good, and they're not super long either. They're just enough to be like make somebody want it, to have wanted more. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you put your entire one-hour show somewhere on Facebook, like it's very quick to for someone to view it too long and go ah, it's gonna go somewhere else. So one minute, minute and a half, and you know what? Here's a little here's a little trick for everybody. Cut it off like mid-chorus, <laughs> make them go. Uh, Make them want more. Yeah, that that might help you because I noticed that when I've done that, I've gotten more engagement. I've gotten more bookings when it's not the whole. It's not the whole pizza. It's just a slice. Right. You know. So that's a little little tactic.
0: Well, that's interesting. You say that you say that that you would cut it off mid-course because that's the section that everybody wants to hear. Right. And so you're depriving them of something. Yep. <laughs> just a little bit. Yep.
1: <laughs> I get it. Like, for instance, like if if I was to send a clip of me playing my song, Not Going Back, right? It would be like, you know, it would get to the chorus. I'm not going back to who I was because there's freedom in your love. Not going back. Where's the rest of it? Where's the rest of it? (laughs) Now, if you just listen to that and are like, what's the rest say? See what I'm saying? I get you. So it's like... Cool. I mean, it could be anything. There. His name is Jesus. His name is freedom. He's broken every chain, washed away every stain. His name is. It's Jesus. <laughs> now, see, but you're a, you're right across from me. I guarantee you, something in you went. What's can you rest? tell me the rest of it? Yeah, yeah. that's the point. Yeah, because now that th- it makes them feel, I want, I want more, mm-hmm. and. Th- I know, it's so manipulative, right? If you're listening to this, you're like, dude, I don't trust that guy anymore. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's a little trick. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, with that particular situation, though, we were willing to be flexible. Because what, w- what I was able to do was, like, okay, they came back to us and we're like, listen, this is what we— And they came back to me. They couldn't provide me anywhere close to what I was looking for to make it work. So I said, yes, anyway. I said, yes. Let's do it. It's a killer opportunity. I would absolutely love to do it. Um, let's let's just do it. And then I and I booked other shows around it. I went okay and make that happen in order to be able to say yes to that. This mm-hmm. is what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? God provided, man. You know. And what helped the booking is hey, we're playing main stage on uh, on at One Fest. You know, uh, up in Minnesota. On our way up there, we're looking for shows. And so I you did show them hey here's a reason why we're looking to play your church. We're not just randomly hitting you up because we think you're a dummy and we'll say yes, but Hey, we're going to be passing through anyway. uh, So why not have an event? So that makes them feel kind of at ease of like, Hey, we're coming through anyway. We'd love to stop by. Um, And you could be a little more because you're coming through anyway. You can be a little more, workable financially but yeah. uh before you know it man we were, were able to book everything else around it and man you know what we crushed it in merch that day and it made it well worth it but like that so again with that just to summarize somebody who was on the board of the festival loved a song and would reach out to me enough and we conversed a lot you know and he you know and you know that guy's a songwriter and he's like, "Hey man, I, I write songs too." And he starts sending me some of his songs. I listen to him, you know. Um, even gave him a couple suggestions when he, he asked me for some suggestions on some on some lines. So I built a relationship with this person, and he went to bat for me, you know. And he's he's awesome. Another one was relationship based. Uh, was up in uh, someone up in Ohio. Uh, we got to play um, with Matt Maher, Danny Gokey, Torin Wells. Uh, that was an incredible. Uh, festival opportunity that we had gotten and uh, similar thing. I had, i met this woman through, uh, someone asked me to come speak a bit at this uh, a thing for Camp Electric. It wasn't necessarily directly involved in Camp Electric. It was more like this person was like, Hey, I know artists. So I'd, maybe I'll have them come to this thing and meet kids and talk to them. And one of the kids' moms is the person who handles this festival. But, uh, you know, we, we ended up playing that one just and it had a lot to do with just knowing her. I reached out. Hey, you mentioned you run that festival. Any opportunity? And, you know, similar thing. You know, it's like, well, our budget's kind of exhausted. You know, this is what we can make work. And, yeah, sure, why not? You know, and same, similar thing. Crushed it in merch. Uh, we're treated well. We, we met, met a lot of amazing people. And because of that festival, we've gotten to go up to that area of Ohio and play multiple times. So it's it's I guess really what what I'm saying is that it it's it's relationship. Mm-hmm. And there has been a couple that I've emailed and just here's sent them an email like we've talked about a couple of times, you know, and it pointed to everything that I have that hopefully they feel is high quality and stands side by side with a lot of these artists. And so to them, um and and the, to you know in their opinion when they're booking me and and I believe it's an accurate opinion they're not going to see this drop off of like you know uh sidewalk profits oh and then Tom Golly, oh like it, to them their perception should be that this 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 artist is just as good as they are absolutely what a deal we're getting yeah now my job is to go and play that show and make them feel wow we got we got a good deal here mm-hmm. this was worth it and um you know the other, the only thing that's hard with some festivals is a lot of festivals, man. If they book you in two thousand, you know eighteen, you know, they won't have you back for a few years because they want completely fresh and new. Yep. Which I don't necessarily always agree with that being a good idea. I think that for the most part, you're yeah sure you're big headliners like okay like yes different headliners but especially some of your smaller acts if they're able to come back and want to come back. Bring them back because mm-hmm. they might have had a ten o'clock a.m. slot, gained a handful of fans from that. But give them a bigger slot the next time, move them up, you know. And it 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 will only, in my opinion, that benefits everybody involved. It's just that's just my two cents on yeah. it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. But, and, yeah, and I think most, I'd say most vessels probably do that to some degree. But, yeah. Um, the bigger
1: ones absolutely do that. Yeah. Some of the smaller upstart ones have this idea of like wipe the slate clean, to start over. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and another mistake that most of them do is, um, okay, if you're going to do one of those festivals that start at like 10 a.m. and you know it's going to go till 10 at night, they spend a little too much money bringing unheard of artists from far away. They pay them a lot of money when that doesn't quote put well. It's a festival. They don't put feet on the grass, but butts in seats. Uh, because again, they're unheard of. They're they're very small fan base people. I mean, sometimes even people spending a lot of money bringing me in. I'm kind of like, you know, of course they're like, hey, we want your message spoken, and I know that that's what they're hoping for. Like when I, you know, when I, especially when I tell them about my song, keep fighting, they want that. Then I realize that's why they're bringing me. They're not bringing me in to bring people there. But a lot of these things, especially when they're new, are sparsely attended what they should be doing is finding those awesome worship teams from those mega churches all over the place and give them a slot to get everyone at their church to show up at this festival. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's how you, I mean, that's the local show. That's how you do local shows. You know, you're going to have a, a, you know, a B level band in, you know what you need to have, or shoot every church that ever booked me for anything. I'm like, Hey, do you guys have anybody like really talented that the the church loves a lot? Yeah cool, I want them to open. Why? Because everybody wants to see little Jackie or little Johnny or Melissa, you know, um, do her thing. Mm-hmm. And then if I can incorporate her, like usually I have one worship song, which is great for incorporating somebody. Yeah. I'll have them surprise everybody in the second verse. They'll come walking out on a mic and everyone gets excited. We do that. But we do that also to, you know, let people see them under the lights and the cooling and it a, creates a great moment. Yeah. But a lot of these festivals do make the mistake. I feel like, man, look, look right in your own backyard. Fill the first half of that roster up with local people, uh, who who will do it for free, um, and would rock it. I mean, and it'll bring people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You hope, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it has a better shot. Like you have a better shot with your local mega, like a, your your local mega worship team. Um, you have a better shot of bringing more people to bring that if you had to choose between that as a booker or Tom Golly all the way from Nashville that no one's ever heard of, you're either better off bringing us both in or choose them if it comes down to me or them because they're going to bring more people in. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to bring me in, but I also want your your festival to be successful. I want your event to be successful. So think about it like that. You know what I mean? Sure. And I've, I have talked myself, I have, I've actually talked an uh, event that wanted to book me as an opener for something, because they liked me, they liked my music, and I told them, I really think you should find oh, that situation, you know? And they, they were kind of like, wait, so you're saying no? And I'm like, well, I'm not saying no, you want me to come, I'll come, but this is what I think you should do. Well, they went and did that, and 500 people showed up for this event. You know, um, and admittedly, it had most of them were there to support that opening act, you know, and then the headliner was decently known. Again, B-level band, but they're on the radio and the event was a success. He appreciated that so much. He brought me in for my full ask for my own event another time. And we did the same thing and we had 400 people come. So, yeah, it worked out better than if they brought me as the opener and the headliner, and that headliner still was relatively new at the time, so even their draw wasn't huge. It's just, you know, just because you have a song on the radio doesn't mean you have a lot of draw in the middle right. of Indiana somewhere. Yep. So it's, it, again, I it, it, that's how. It's just been relational, willing to serve the event, and um, j- again, and in a lot of cases, just asking. And when I ask, make sure what they see is high quality, what they listen to is high quality. Sad part is you get a lot of people, and I've had people hit me up, and they'll go, hey, we saw you got on this this festival. Um, you know, uh, like how do I do that? And I'll go, well, let me check your music out. Well, I'll check their music out, and it's like, well, your music is not at all what they're looking for. You know, if you do a very like dated 1970s vibe sound, uh, and this is a modern CCM like thing, it, you're you're probably not what they're looking for. Um, so that festival just isn't a fit, and that, you don't have, you know, and, and a lot of people don't understand that either, so, you, you know, it's like, and and I equate it to this, and I don't care if you're talking about playlists or uh, on Spotify or festivals, or, you know, or whatever, wherever you're trying to go, it's that, like, if, if, this is the analogy I use, if a festival or a playlist is like a pizza convention, right, it's pizza, everyone's going there expecting to try different, Flavors of pizza, different shapes and sizes of pizza, right? You got thick crust, thin crust, but at the end of the day, it's pizza, right? And you're like, yo, I make the best hamburgers on the planet. I want to go to that pizza festival and sell hamburgers. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. No. You find a hamburger festival. This is the pizza festival. It's not going to work. It's not a good idea. And you can't get upset when they go. No, I'm sorry. This, you know, or we don't want this. This isn't. This is a pizza festival. Thank you. And that's the that's, I know it's a little bit of a crazy analogy, but think about it like that. You need to figure out where that goes. Now, you have two choices. Love the music that you're doing, and know well that's just not where this is going to work for me, and be okay with it because this is the music you feel like you should make and the sound you should go with. Or uh, make some changes. And go, okay, that's what, you know, that's what everyone, that, you know, it's like if you were fishing, right, and everyone using a red lure is killing it, catching fish, and you got a blue one catching nothing. You're going to get mad at the, everyone. Else. Are you going to get mad at the fish because they're only eating red. red uh, the red lure? No, you're going to probably be smart and change your blue lure to a red lure and start killing it like everyone else. So you have choices to make, you know, and that's the 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 issue I think we sometimes people run into. It's like what you're, what you're putting out doesn't fit what, you know, where you're trying to go. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, it's, this is unfortunate reality that I think that a lot of Christian rock, some of those heavy Christian rock bands have run into is the church has been wanting more worship centric music with less hard rock guitars. They don't want the screams and things like that. And a lot of the bands are continuing to stick it out. Well, no, this is what we do. And that's fine. But understand that. You know you're going to find less and less conventions wanting to eat that. Yeah. So you have a choice to make. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. But just don't be mad at, just don't be upset when those opportunities start to dry up because it's just not what they want to eat anymore. Yeah. So that's the struggle. Be you got to be willing to be flexible. I mean, the sound, my music sound has changed dramatically from single to single because I'm constantly you know, flexing and changing what I do a little bit, not so much to, for me, hasn't been so much for changing it for bookings, but it's been more of showing my range of, like, I've been told, yeah, I don't know if the kids would be too into these songs, because I have songs I like keep fighting, which turns out, especially teens, when they hear you're not alone, keep fighting, like, my gosh, like, that alone has been huge with kids so if i have ever a pastor tell me like i don't think the kids would be into this like you have no like yeah little little kids know but teens my gosh you know they need to hear that right now Mm -hmm. you know that the king of the world found you worthy of love and it and your life is is worth fighting for um but so anyway uh i say all that just to say that like you know i'm constantly trying to you know change my sound from song to song just so that um one, if all of a sudden everyone's like, "Hey, all these churches are wanting these bouncy, fun reggaeton vibe songs. Well, I got one of those in my pocket. I'll show you I can do that." You know, um, if suddenly they want these ballady songs, I got one of those too. You know, I can deal. You know, and depending on the church, what they've had before is that that depends on which video I might send them when I ask. You know, um, you know, and 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 I I do a lot. My heart is big on the recovery ministries. Uh, my family has suffered loss from, uh, uh, from a heroin overdose years ago. Um, so ultimately that really became big on my heart to just let these people know who are struggling with these things who, and in our case, you know, she just didn't want to fight anymore and sort of just gave up and kind of intentionally overdosed and, so my message for those recovery ministries was like, no, you are loved. There are people that are, you know, that maybe you're unaware of at this moment that would be like, oh, no, they're not here anymore. Like, and they'd miss you because they looked forward to when they'd see you. So it's it, telling people that sometimes rather than just showing up to maybe being one of the people who have a powerful testimony of how I used to be addicted. Now I'm not. There's plenty of those. It's not enough people saying, hey, I lost someone I love. Who struggle with this, and if I could tell them this, this is what I would tell them. So here's what I'm telling you guys. Right, and that has been a game changer. We love it. We 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 just absolutely love the fruit that has come from that, and um, the just the way God has used the songs for some people. And let's face it, man, we're all in recovery. We're all in recovery about something, whether it's like me. I've come to learn that, man, I am in recovery for um, a lot of hurt and stuff that I carry from as a child. You know, that, that um, thankfully it's manifested itself in, in, in some more positive ways with, the, with the, the impact of that. But at the end of the day, man, like I've learned that and I can empathize with, you know, some people turn to drugs and alcohol or, you know, some people it's a porn addiction, whatever it might be. You know, I know for me for a long time, it was like a work addiction. Like, I just was like, I got to, I have, I just addicted to proving I can be good at something and, you know, and thankfully that's, I mean, that you know, there are some people who are like, man, I'd love that addiction. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's a curse because you can't enjoy things the same way other people do mm-hmm. because you're always like, you know, I mean, a friendly game with some friends turns into, I have to win. I have to prove I'm better. And it it's, it's a sickness that is hard. And so, you know, once I kind of came to that realization in my life at one point going, hey, I'm in recovery too, only it's different. Wow. Like it, your empathy for other people who are doing other things with that, with, you know, something they're carrying, you know, it, it it's worth doing. And I don't feel like there's enough emphasis on recovery from anything, whether it's recovery from a, a, a drug addiction or a sex addiction or uh, just, something inside of you that is just you know her, you know just really causing your behavior to, to be shifted. Uh I wish the church spent a little more emphasis on it rather than just being like, well, Jesus Christ is going to fix it. Like he is, but <laughs> there's a little more to it than that, yeah, you know. Yeah. And we love serving those ministries. That's amazing.
0: Man, I'm so glad you guys get to do that and are having success getting to go in and minister yeah. into churches and to ministries that um, that are desperately needing that, especially teenagers. We've, you know, I've both worked with teenagers for years, mm-hmm. um, and and that is something that they're always always needing is that encouragement and to know that they are loved and that there is someone fighting for them. That yeah. God, God does love them and that Jesus died for them. You know, people listening right now that may not know that Jesus died yeah. for you. He loves you and he wants you to have a relationship with him. And he is fighting for. He fought. He did. He fought for you and he won. Yeah, you know, and so you can. You can reap the benefits of that victory, right? Right. Um, so that's amazing, man. I would say that because in the, the in the wrap up process of my podcast, I always ask, "Hey, what are some things that you would some advice that you would give?" But man, you've been giving advice for almost two hours. <laughs> so I, I'm yeah. going to say we're not we're going to kind of just bypass that because you've yeah. been you've given tons of information. So I just want to say thank you mm. for because um, we've hit a lot of things that we that. I don't get to talk about a lot with some artists. We've gone into some details on some different things that, um, I feel is, is kind of unique in as an independent artist. So, um, it's been amazing. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, thanks for having me, uh, man. I appreciate it. I look forward to, to seeing what else you do and, out on the road and um
1: yeah thanks man i mean uh definitely look forward to whatever that brings i I, you know i won't lie to you um one thing i want to touch on is real quick is man covid came and pulled the rug out from under me like it did most and uh you know i mean 2019 was i'm sorry 20 what year was the (laughs) 2019 was a a great year for me oh yeah i had lost 103 pounds i was looking the best i had looked as an artist i you know i mean my my favorite thing was not having to go to the big and tall section anymore (laughs) um and you know be able to buy uh this leather jacket that was like oh my gosh i love that jacket so much um and you know what i now, again, I'm not saying this was a direct correlation on how I looked, but I think my energy level, my vibes are probably a lot better because, you know, when you lose weight, you feel good, you know, you probably, um, you know, at least for me, I know I was way less body conscious, way less worrying about how I lo- you know, how I looked. So I was able to kind of not, not have to combat that. I put more energy into other things. And, you know, then 2020 came COVID just ruined everything. I mean, I had more shows booked. Like, sitting there looking at my calendar in February of 2020 going, wow, I have more shows booked already this year, th- at, at this point this year, than I've ever had before. So I'm like, we're going to do a lot of shows this year. I mean, we were, we were stacked. And it was, again, it was main stage opportunities coming. Uh, I was sort of, kind of uh, talking to a, a pretty large, well-known band about being an opener on a tour for them. And, you know, things were looking good. And then COVID came. And it all went away. And then trying to combat with that, with like, okay, well, what do I do? Well, everyone's doing these online concerts. Let me try that, and I didn't enjoy that even a little bit. And I mean, not even, not even a little bit. And no disrespect to fans or friends who tuned in a few times, but you know, when you spent all day making it look good, try to sound good, and a few of the people that came to your Zoom concert were also watching someone else's concert at the same time on their iPad. It was <laughs> like, th- that was like the, you know, th- they may as well have just been sticking the middle finger at me. It was like, wow, like, I don't want to be an online guy like this. I, you know, I, I I didn't, I just didn't, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, This isn't why I, this is why I do this. I do, you know, I, I want to be a performer. I want to tour, I want to travel. So I remember sitting down with JJ Weeks looking for counseling from him, like, dude, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I want to do this anymore. You know, like I came into 2021, like I, I'm done. Like I just, ha- I got, no- so, you know, all your momentum stops and it's like, <sighs> do I have it in me to start over? Cause that's what it felt like.
0: Yeah. Starting it over. It still
1: feels like that starting over, but I've come to learn what a great gift it is to start over. Because now a lot of the things that you started, some of the plates you were spinning, are now sitting down on a table and you don't necessarily have to pick that plate up again. You could pick up a new plate, you know, or put more energy in just, you know, out of the five plates you were spinning, focus on two or three. And it might be a better thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the time, it was hard to overcome that. And I know multiple decently well-known artists struggled with the exact same question. Do I even want to do this? This is the great, the what better time to, 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 to sell the bus, sell the van, get rid of all this gear and just stay home and go be a real estate agent or, you know, go, uh, you know, go start a media company or, you know, go be a mechanic. You know, no one would blame you. And you know what? No one would miss you. You didn't quit. It just went away. Right. But that was, this, that was a struggle. And I, I will say this again, like I have come to learn recently, a break is not a bad thing. It's probably one of the healthiest things that's happened to me in the last since I started being a singer. I never someone even asked me this: When's the last time you took a break? When's the last time you were like, you know what? I'm just gonna do something else for a couple months? It's like I never that never happened. So I stopped. I literally did like we we had a couple shows that were booked that we said yes to, and I only did little acoustic stuff this year. Like I didn't do my full thing that I can bring because I just didn't have it in me to do it. I just said, you know what, I'm going to take it slow and kind of do it this way. And, you know, that was just absolutely a gift. (laughs) And then, um, the last couple months have been like, gonna see what the Lord puts on my plate, you know? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, man, you know, um, I go to send someone a file for something I was working and on, and I accidentally sent them, (laughs) I accidentally sent them the wrong file uh, folder, link folder. And they're like, hey man, w- w- what is this that you sent me? I was like, what are you talking about? I go look and sure enough, it's, the, it's like the demo file from a song, a single, that I've kind of buried for a while. And they're like, dude, you have to put this song out. It's incredible. And okay, so you know what? He had me thinking about music again and I was excited about it. I was like, wow, you're right, I forgot about this song. Next thing you know, I have a single that's gonna be coming out in February and man, like the juices are flowing again. All because I, I I had to take that break. And and I know COVID is a hard, like, again, if, you, if I can't imagine for people who are just starting out, like just starting and then having a year disappear on them and they probably feel like all is lost. I'll tell you, that break, hopefully you took that time to focus energy on some maybe another part of your craft. But, you know, take a break when you need it. If it gets overwhelming, take a break. Come back to it. You didn't lose anything. You see some of the biggest bands in the world disappear for two, three, four years and then come back. Yep. And in some cases, yeah, they've been kind of forgotten about. Plenty of their fans are on Facebook like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Big mm-hmm. deal. They should just stay away. Doesn't matter. They gain new fans, old fans. And you know what though? What what you're all we're all gaining in that is a band with a fresh perspective. So getting that fresh perspective to come back at it and remembering why you do it, how much you love it, it's not a bad thing. And, um, man, I went from being so salty and upset for, what ha- for COVID, ruining the music industry for a while, to actually being a little grateful that it happened. Because it's proven to me I love making music. I love touring and performing. And I think the only thing I struggle with that a lot of people probably still do is I'm afraid to love it again the same way I did because... I'm afraid to get it ripped out from under me one more time. I think a lot of us are on guard for that. And I've seen it happen. Some bands are having tours canceled again for whatever reason. But just, you know, be grateful when you get the opportunities to take a step back yeah. because sometimes that one step back could lead to two, three, four steps forward. And that's what I'm learning in this process. And I just felt important to talk about what I've yeah, learned in that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that because yeah. that's definitely something that a lot of people have dealt with and yeah um i try not i, I try not to talk about that stuff too much on yeah. on here the, the whole covid thing because it's um we consider this evergreen material yeah you know that's going to be 20 years from now people are gonna be listening to this podcast be like covid what's we what talking about? Yeah. what's that it's like it's gonna be like this memory hope, yeah. uh, hopefully it'll be this memory thing but right now for mm-hmm. in this moment that we are living in yeah. It, obviously it's, a very, but it, you know, it's and, a very real thing that we all have to do. And with. again,
1: even if you took the word COVID out of, out of what I said and, you know, like I went through about, uh, about a five-month period where I had, I didn't even, about two and a half years ago, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer mm-hmm. and we moved her out here to Nashville and little did I know the cancer was a little worse than we thought and the commitment of taking care of my mom was way more than I thought. I mean, at that time, you know, she could drive, she could do everything, well, within three days of moving here, suddenly she can't drive. She's wow. in bad shape. So, you know, I'm canceling rights, canceling shows, canceling everything to focus all my energy on her. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, you know, you're going from like, like I, I'm used to, I'm sending booking emails normally. I'm not sending booking emails right now. M- my career is going to be over. Uh, man, people I was writing with, I canceled with, they're never going to write with me again. Like, this is the demon that's yeah. talking to me in my head, going like, you know, oh, you're focusing on your family, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, you're losing your life. You're lo- and it really caused me this crazy amount of anxiety. Turns out, though, that it didn't hurt at all. Because you know what? You're, so if it's not COVID, even if it's, hey, you know what? you got to focus on your family for a little bit. Sure. And, you know, here's a great piece of advice to everybody. If you're a married person focused trying to build this music career, I promise you, it may not seem like it, but I guarantee you, your spouse does feel neglected at times focus on that mm-hmm. fix that because you know what there comes a point where you know what if if your wife believes that you love your music career more than or your husband likes your music career loves your music career more than you um you're probably never going to be able to convince them otherwise you know without a lot of work you know and i've made that i've made that mistake i've been like you know, when all your wife wants to do is sit on a couch and eat snacks and watch a TV watch TV with you because that matters to them. And you're like, well, I was going to go and work on the interior rig tonight and rewire it. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, I get it. We all get it. You love working on the gear. You love feeling like you're making progress. But f- it's okay to stop and focus on the family. And that's something I've always struggled with. I mean, I kind of blinked and my six year old was 12 and like had a, had <laughs> had a serious opinion <laughs> yeah. about a lot of things. And it's like, you know, I mean, and that's a big warning. I mean, I, I, you know, Darren Mulligan of We Are Messengers, I happened to chance meet him and he just said to me one day, he goes, man, I don't know why I feel like I need to tell you this. He's like, but, you know, and, and of course, I'm not going to mimic his his accent, but he's like, man, he's like. Don't, he's like, he's like, don't ever forsake your family, man. He goes, I've done it so many times. And the only thing you could ever say is I'm sorry. You can't go back. You can't fix it. He's like, and I, he's like, I see, I see a little of myself in you, how hard you're willing to work. He goes, and I know. I know that you're forsaking your family at times. It's just There's no way you're not. He's with, with, like, with all the stuff I see and how hard you're working. And you know what? At first I went, he don't know what he's talking about. And then after really looking at it, I go, wow, what a warning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I need to do that. Yeah. I need to start doing that. And you know what? So, again, taking a break, whether it's – and look, COVID was a forced break. But you know, or, and, and, you know, to me, it did a little – you know, my, my duty to take care of my mother was a forced break. But that helped me go into the rest of that year with a different energy yeah. um, and more perspective. Sure. And even now, it's like, you know what? I, I'm not like – I used to go, hey, I just booked a show. I uh, hope you don't have anything on the calendar, honey. Right? Now it's, hey, they want me to play this show. Do we have anything on the calendars? Because if my wife – I don't care if my wife's like, yeah, we, we said we were going to go to a trivia night if my wife's not the one to say to me, yeah, you know what? Yeah. You, I don't mind if you did the show. Cool. Like, but I used to book it first. Everything else came second. I won't do that anymore. And it's COVID forced me to really look at my home, my home life and go, this matters more. It'll always matter more because my family will be in my life way longer than a music career will most likely. (laughs) And you know what? It really, it, it matters, because I realize how easy it is to take those people for granted. Well, they support me. Hey, they love me. Hey, one day one day, this sacrifice will be worth it for them. They'll see, and I don't think they ever would, no matter how successful. It'll always have been that thing that took my dad away. But if that's you, man, really, I mean, if this is, a, if this is an advice thing, like, again, taking breaks to focus on things that come and things that happen, it's not the end of the world. It's not, it's, it it can only make things better for you. Um, and just, like I said, unfortunately the, the, the realities of this industry are not like the movies, you know, where like, Oh, Band went home. It's over. It's not how it works. Bands bands flux their energy a lot. So learn how to find that balance. But put the focus in the right place because perspective is everything. You could always restart a a music career. You could always start another band. You could always rebrand your current band. But you can't redo your kid's childhood. You can't bring your mom back after they've passed from cancer. You. I mean, you can fix a marriage, but you, it'll never be what it was, even if you do, you know, focus on those things, because I promise you from someone who has is been doing this a while, you know, um, you'll, you'll never regret like, and it, you'll really never regret any of the things you do with your music for better or for worse. But when it comes to your family, your kids, you'll regret not putting the correct energy in the correct places with that. You just absolutely will. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, I so. appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, my amazing. long-winded. Uh... <laughs> no, it's
0: fantastic. Um, now, real quick, what as we wrap up, I do want to tell people we talked about this just briefly at the very, very beginning. But you have a podcast I as do. well, the Tom Golly Podcast, which is. Uh, it's very. It's similar to to this one, I think. Um, Is you're having guests on, musical guests on that do this for a living, and yeah. have conversations with them. So yeah. I want to just tell people to go check out. It's the your Tom po- Golly
1: official podcast. Yeah, the official Tom Golly yeah. official podcast.
0: Yeah, and they can find it on all the. It's pretty much places.
1: everywhere you podcast. I if you're mean, listening
0: to this podcast, yeah. you can find it.
1: Yeah, course. we 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 do full uh, full HD video uh, of of my podcast are available on uh, YouTube. Uh, and then of course, you know, uh, Spotify, Apple podcasts, iHeart. I mean, yeah. pretty much everywhere you podcast, it's yeah. there.
0: you uh, mind just a lowly audio, vi- audio podcast and yours is like all high def video. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, listen, amazing. I, 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 love I, it.
1: I, I make no secret of it. I mean, I, I own a company called to the moon creative and, uh, you know, we produce podcasts for, I mean, anyone who wants to produce podcasts and yeah. we can do it all. So ultimately, um, you know, the, one of the main reasons we video it is it's essentially, a a commercial for what we do at to the moons. So. Yeah, that's great.
0: Well, this, we're in your studio right now recording my podcast in your studio that you record yours and it's beautiful. I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Thanks. So anyway, but I just want to make sure that people know to go check your podcast out. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of artists that we both know and are friends with have been, have been guests on my podcast or guests on your podcast. Yeah. And so it's just a good companion podcast. I think for people to go check out for both yeah. of us.
1: I, I'll be honest. I use your podcast sometimes as like a, uh, you know, it's sort of as like little, uh, my little gauge of like who says yes to podcasts. Oh. <laughs> Cuz there are some people who are like I don't I don't I don't like podcasts. I don't do them. Yeah. You know. And and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's totally fine. Sure. You know. Um, but yeah, it, 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 podcasting's fun. I like I mean I like your show. It's very you have you definitely have a mission. You want to focus a lot on the business side mm-hmm. of, uh, of of the music industry because that that's the biggest. I think that's where most people fail is that they mm-hmm. fail in the in the business side of this. Uh, I mean, the music part's kind of the easy part for the most part. Wow, there's a lot of parts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there are a lot of parts to yeah. the music business. That's but true.
1: The music end of it is just where a lot of people struggle. I mean, I know some some kids that are out there now, you know, killer music, killer music, but the business side is just. The, they just can't navigate it. It's they've never had to think about it, right. and they don't want to think about it. And the problem is, you kind of have to.
0: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, and that's what we try to focus on with yeah, that. So. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, man. Yeah, man, definitely. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I'm super grateful and, and pr- appreciate your friendship, and uh, look forward to seeing what you do in the future.
1: Yeah, look forward to seeing what you do as well, Marty. Thank okay.
0: you. Have a great day. You too. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for joining us. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tom today. Um, Great guy, great artist. And I, I love the way that he is pursuing booking different types of venues and how he goes about doing that. It's a very similar approach in the way that I do it. And I think it's a really strong way to do it, especially as an independent artist when you don't have management, you don't have booking agencies doing this kind of stuff for you and you're doing it yourself. There are different things that you need to be really concentrated on, be really aware of, and how you contact venues, no matter what kind of a venue it is. There are certain protocols that you need to kind of you know establish and reaching out to people and be aware of how you're doing those types of things. So please make sure if you're an artist and you're, you're out trying to book yourself, um, or even if you're booking someone else, if you're a booking agent, independent booking agent, trying to work with other artists and you're wanting to help them get their careers going, make sure that you're reaching out in specific ways that are approachable to a venue or to a, a church or a festival or whoever, so that it is a, a good way to establish a conversation and a relationship. these people so thank you again for being a part of this you probably noticed that the that the seasons a little bit shorter this time Um, that's on purpose and that's originally actually how I intended it to be when I first started this thing back in season one and I got a little overzealous and just kind of kept going I was so excited (laughs) so we're going to stick to probably 10 episodes a season moving forward and um, but I just wanted you to know why it was shorter so but that that is why so Thank you again. Um, Remember, Edelbrook Productions is here to help. If you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime, please let us know how we can help you to begin to make a living in the music industry. We'll see you next time in Season 4.